everybody, and welcome to Season 9 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, Matt's Doctor. I had good sequels once, and they were strong. They could carry me above the clouds and into the headwinds, and they never faltered, not even once. But they were stolen from me. Now they're trapped in a box and <laughs> still writhing about for some reason. And yeah, it's real gross. Unpublished scripts. Yeah, yeah. That's all the unmade sequelizers. Pictures, <laughs> yeah. pictures just yeah. in a box somewhere, wiggling around, covered in iron chains. I mean, you're not wrong, but yeah. wiggling was a weird word to add there. They writhe about in the box. It's, Riding, it's yeah. real gross. <laughs> Speaking of things that writhe and wriggle, also joining us, it's Tim Matum. You've done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child, but now she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Jack my own. Oh, I stand up and get really angry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then a man falls over. Yeah, yeah. Misunderstandings. <laughs> oh, these films are built on misunderstandings. Um, we'll get into it. Yes. Because this week, ladies and gentlemen, dear listeners of Sequelizers, we are fixing 2019, so one of the more modern films we've fixed here on Sequelizers. We've we've dipped into the modern. We talked about Rise of Skywalker, obviously. Yeah. The big season finale fairly mm. recently. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. <laughs> As voted for by the fine patrons. As voted for by the lovely patrons. Because we had a live-action Disney vote. And we're like, we did. Because a lot to choose from in live-action Disney, because <laughs> there's a lot of crap. And... Uh, Oh boy, they picked a. They picked a. It good was one a. For us. I think it was 101 Dalmatians. Oh, sorry, yeah, 102, 102 Dalmatians. Dalmatians yes, yes. Obviously, and that this was a close run between and Alice, Alice through the looking, looking glass. glass and this yeah. One, yeah, this just pipped it. Yeah, mm. both yeah. the shit. Oh yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into this because I have I have a lot to say about these fucking movies. But before we get that, you mentioned people voted on Patreon there, mm. and you can join those lovely people by going to Patreon.com/sequelizers. You can get early access. You get to vote on stuff. We have an interseason vote that has happened is happening is it finished by now who knows uh, i can't remember sure. <laughs> <laughs> we have votes and stuff you can join us and vote for interseason episodes seasonal episodes if you're up to the highest tiers, you can get an executive producer a shout out like these wonderful people have done mistress what jonathan firth clark i have a little bit of news well on with it xenos it's nothing of any real consequence Josh van der Sluis. And it's certainly no reason to overreact. Michael Belcher. It's just that Prince Philip has... Um, Disappeared. James McDowell. <laughs> no. No, Philip has... Yellow fever? Michael Belcher. No, wait. Leprosy. Josh Miles. No, mistress. Mike Salvia. Prince Philip has asked Aurora if she'll become his... <laughs> and Michael Belcher. Ruin my morning. Thank you for supporting us, wonderful executive producers. You make this show possible. You make the now extended seasons of 12 episodes and the interseasons possible. Our special coming up soon, the beginning of the interseason with some uh, hint of some little MCU action going on. Ooh. A little tease there for you. Because we're coming up towards the end of the season. This is episode nine. We've only yeah. got a few more left. It feels like we've only just started, but <laughs> already starting to wrap up. It's crazy for yeah. gone very very quickly and uh yeah we need to talk about some maleficent so uh tim i'll come to you first mm. what's your history with maleficent uh well i'm pretty sure i saw sleeping beauty when i was a kid i have not 
seen it in a long while. And then I watched these two movies yesterday. Me too! Uh, <laughs> uh, I had not seen them. I'd been moderately curious about them. Um, I think Maleficent is one of the more iconic Disney villains. Yes. Um, I think they made a, in, in that regard, they made a good choice. But I, I think just the the Angelina Jolie cheekbones freaked me out a little bit too much. Okay. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't have any need to watch that. Uh, and then I did. And uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have opinions on these, but they're very forgettable. I have a slight different variation to that. I also saw Sleeping Beauty many, many years ago. Don't really remember much of it. Mm. Um, Emma is a huge Sleeping Beauty fan. She's a big Disney fan in general. She's always telling me like, "Oh yeah, Maleficent's a, you know one of the most iconic villains and stuff." I'm mm. Like, is she? Like, I guess. Like, and she's I got really... she's got a good look to That's her. That's the thing. That's the there's, thing. A, there's a really cool and she, with and the she horns. Turns and the, into a dragon. Yeah, the horns yeah. and the green and stuff is a very kind of cool look. But Disney really pushed the fuck out of this, and they're doing this recently. Obviously, with Cruella that came out recently, mm. they're in this whole live action villain mm. thing that they want to be doing which i fucking hate but i thought Cruella was fine and i do not like these maleficent movies <laughs> i think they are alice in wonderland alice through the looking glass bad cgi fake british accent <laughs> smos fests that i've ugh. it's like two things i really hate is just everything is cgi and you can't tell what's going on which is like the third act of both of these movies and everyone has the wrong accent and kind of can't do the accent. Yeah. Because Angelina Jolie, she's fine. Like, the mm. the performance is quite, like, you know, powerful and captivating and all that kind of mm. stuff. And as you said to him, she's, like, very visually striking, even with mm. the creepy cheekbones. But the fucking voice, the well, over... In, like, she's doing an impression of the queen. This is very over-enunciated. You can see all of her teeth all of the time as she's talking. And I'm mm. like... Do you need to be going that much? I know it's a kid's film, so it's kind of like overacting. It's a, it's like, a very mannered performance. It's a very like <sighs> basing it on the, the original, but also like taking it in a different direction. And I can kind of see what she was trying to do, but it's... And I think it might be that if in a in a film where it wasn't wall-to-wall terrible accents, mm. you might not notice it as much. Yeah, yeah. But... Because you, your ear just starts picking up on all these weird things, it becomes so much worse. I think it stems from uh, Tomb Raider. Angelina Jolie was cast as Lara Croft in the early 2000s. And Lara Croft is very famously an English character. Mm. So she had elocution lessons. Mm. And around the same time, she did like uh, Sky Captain, The World of Tomorrow. Mm. And she just started using this accent as her own accent, basically. Yeah. It's very rare you hear her with a, the American accent she had in the 90s, basically. Mm. Even if she plays a certain role where she's playing an American, she'll play... I mean, in Eternals, she has yeah. that sort of kind of British, kind of American accent. No, yeah, really. I, was, okay. I was just trying to remember, like, wow, what does she sound like in Eternals? Like, it's, it's Hello. odd. Hello. Yeah. So, <laughs> the fuck is this? <laughs> um, but it, again, uh, the thing is that it's the same thing where certain actors get in a certain change because of their age or the responsibility of a job wrong. Like, mm. I actually like how I sound, and it shifts them. Best example, I don't know exactly when it happened. Nobody really knows exactly when or why. When Al Pacino went from being my father made him a, an African refuse. And it's like, it's very mm. like high, almost mm. Brando-esque kind of thing. Like, Attica! And he's like mm. that sort of high-pitched voice. The terrible impression on Brio. <laughs> but the point is that then he went to, hoo now mm. I talk like this. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? When did you? <laughs> and it's not it's just from like one movie to another. And it's yeah, just like yeah. a gradual transition. Yeah. You just, 
overnight. I mean, we talked about sort of weird, again, transatlantic action. Gillian Anderson is a yes. perfect example mm. where she can actually do both because she's both. So mm. she has lived in England for a long time and lived in the UK and also has lived in America, has this kind of like dual kind of accent thing that is kind of somewhere in the middle and can get away with a very convincing British accent and a very convincing American accent. I don't think Angelina Jolie can. Yeah. It feels really forced to me and cartoony. I know that's kind of the point. It's a fucking Disney movie, yeah. but it's like all of these accents feel very forced and it melted my brain when Sholto Copley showed up and I was like, <laughs> yeah. wait, are they going to have a South African king? Oh, he's Scottish. I'm going to take your wings <laughs> <laughs> right off with his iron. Like, Jesus Christ. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Stefan. I'm a little boy. <laughs> The little boy version is played by Charlie as well. <laughs> you can't curse me. I have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that would have been, I know, obviously not in keeping with the whole like fairy tale bollocks because yeah. all fairy tales are British because thanks Disney. <laughs> um, but like that would be like make me dislike Stefan a bit more. Maybe I don't know. But like, <laughs> but his accent is so South Africans. No, but as in like Shoulder Company could play up like almost like the mercenary character from Elysium. I knew you say Elysium, yeah, yeah. Just go like real mental. He does play a deplorable arsehole, so he's yeah, like, mm. yeah. But then, as we know, deplorable arseholes English. always from oh, South Africa. Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing. It's it's interesting because there is almost like an agreed term. If you're going to do a classic Shakespearean take or some Aeschylus or something like that, you know, mm. some other Greek tragedies. Like I mean, take take Troy with mm. Brad Pitt, for example, and Eric Banner and mm. tons of other people. All doing English accents. It's yes. Like, why? It's Greece and Persia. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but you know. It's old. Yeah. Now you know who you're fighting. It's like, yes. An American? <laughs> and it's, I, don't, I don't, I mean, there are times when it works really well and really badly. Um, I, I love the idea of what Oliver Stone was working with in Alexander. Didn't really work out. Whereby he, Colin Farrell plays the role of Alexander the Great from Macedonia. And Greece is the more powerful of the two nations, as it were. Mm. And it's like, well, all the Greeks don't respect the Macedonians. It's like, mm. okay, then all the Macedonians are Irish mm. and all the Greeks are English. It's yeah, like, yeah. Because there's already like a, mm. a, a bit of a, a thing. And I, I, like, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. But it sounds stupid when one of them is Jared Leto. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, it's rambling about accents. But it, it, it's so, for Americans and Australians and other people who are going to see this film, Canadians, things like that, few people are going to care about the accents. But we have an ear for it because it's our accent. Mm. That, yeah. I've, I'm always, I've, as you guys know from the accents episode we did, I'm always tuned into accents in general. Yeah. That really pisses me off. I'm even Diaval, the. I like Sam Riley. I love Sam Riley. I talked about how much I like Control and how great yeah. he is in that. Yeah. Like, they did the, like, what have they done to my beautiful boy? Yeah. <laughs> and he shows up in a weird, like, raven man dragon. What have you done to my beautiful self? Yeah. yeah, like just find an Irishman. Yeah, or make him English. Just cast yeah. people. Oh, just Americans cast, doing English. Just access. fucking cast Killian Murphy. Like, right? There are so <laughs> many. If you need this character to be Irish for whatever reason, mm. cast an Irish actor. Yeah. If you need a character to be English or Scottish, like I, th I saw a young Charlton Copley and legit thought, oh, it's David Tennant because uh, ah. the Scottish accent, the foppy hair and stuff. Mm. Yeah. And then he stepped out of the shadows in the forest, and I was like, what? <laughs> What? The guy from District 9? What the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, basically the only, like, South African 
lead actor that is broken into Hollywood that uses his South African accent. Mm. Sure. Charlize Theron, obviously South African, but very rarely uses her yes. South African accent. Again, has a more kind of naturalized American accent these days, yeah, yeah, yeah. even in interviews and stuff mm. like that, similar to how you were saying about Angelina Jolie. But he's so South African. Like, use that to your advantage. Have him do something interesting with that. And like, you read some of the lines there, Matt, with the accent. They sound more intimidating. They mm-hmm. sound cool. They make him sound different and interesting yeah. from every other fucking Scottish king we've got throughout and, all these fucking yeah, movies. Yeah, and we know this works because if you watch something like, I know it's TV, but Chernobyl, except for like one or two characters who are sort of doing a sort of mm. Russian accent, everyone's doing their own natural accent. Yeah. And it's magnificent because you're fucking so engrossed in it. Death of Stalin. Death of fucking Stalin. There yep. we go. So you have an example where it's a comedy, example where it's a really serious drama and it mm. works both times because the audience just goes, oh, fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because then you're not forcing, like I said, the, the thing I really notice is if I'm already aware of their natural accent, yeah, and then you can hear like, and again, not talking anything about Charlton Copley, I really like him as an actor in general. Mm. You can hear South African inflections and intonations in his Scottish accent, oh yeah, which yeah. makes no fucking sense because <laughs> those accents are like polar opposites. And the same with Angelina Jolie; she's mostly like the Queen's English. And then we'll say like a weird little Americanism in there that's either in the script or however she's pronounced it or whatever it is. Mm. Like, just be consistent. Just pick a fucking thing and stick with it. I love how we've drilled down in the minutia already. Oh yeah, yeah. We haven't discovered the film. Haven't, haven't yeah. even touched on my history. Of we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've skipped over your history, Matt. I presume you saw these both in the cinema. Hello. Um, yes. So I, much like Jack's fiance, think the original Sleeping Beauty from the fifties is one of Disney's most beautiful films ever made. The animation is amazing. Stunning. Mm. Emma literally has a tattoo of the Maleficent dragon on her yeah. leg. Like, mm. yeah. It's very With cool. The flames it's... like licking around. Yeah. Really cool. It's 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 very... And, and, and um, Ellen Oldley as is, is Maleficent's just this very amazing presence. She has an American accent, not a British accent, but it's mm. like, you know, it sounds like that, that very sort of um, classic New England, old money British mm. American accent. Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, just sounds, it sounds really sort of high-born kind of... Mm. Um, best example I give is the Fraser Crane or Fraser Crane yes. where it's like it's posh but posh American yes. so it sounds a bit British yeah anyway point is that um, Love Sleeping Beauty it's, it's one of my favourite Disney films I think it's fantastic Maleficent was announced and I thought yeah that makes complete sense of course you would mm. saw it with a load of um, my wife's work colleagues <laughs> Um, and we'll get back to this. And they said, wow, I, I, I really enjoyed that. I said, yeah, yeah. Strong on the rape allegory. And they went, the what? Mm. <laughs> and we'll come back to that. I, I got that pretty quick. Yeah. And once yeah. I talked about it, they were like, oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And, it, and they said, yeah, that's kind of, and then, again, we will, we will explain. We will, yeah. Once, now, once we get to synopses and stuff, we yeah. will go into I more detail. I didn't review Maleficent, I don't think, but I did review the sequel. I was about to ask this, whenever we get modern films, when yeah. we get anything in the last sort of 10, 15 years or so, my mind always goes, oh, perfect. Matt will have a review for it on yeah. the redrighthand.co.uk and be like, mm. 2014's first one. I thought, oh, maybe be, there's definitely going to be one for 2019 sequel. Yeah, I don't remember reviewing the first one. I Maybe I didn't. I just didn't upload. Who mm. knows? But the point is, I do have some quotes here for you. Oh. So those who don't know, my review is structured like the review central. And then I've got the a scene to look out for, a, you know, a notable character or characters, a highlighted quote, which I either do something that's really poignant, amazingly written, like, that's actually very cool, mm. or something that's fucking stupid. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's the level of what we're talking about. And a sort of, in a few words, summary. Yeah. So I'll give you the highlighted quote. Um, What's this? Nobody's allowed in here but me. And I'm already in here. Go away. It's like, yeah, that's Maleficent mischief. Yep. to me. <laughs> uh, in a few words. I'll go, before I do that, I'll just do the end of the review here. 
I will give the first film credit for not simply making a straight shot-for-shot live-action adaptation of Sleeping Beauty, but it mostly definitely did not warrant a second go-around, and I would be extremely surprised to see a third installment, but I imagine that will entirely depend on how Mistress of Evil performs at the box office. Turns out there probably fucking will be a third one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my few-word summary was, another largely trite jaunt into the fairy tale world of Maleficent, mostly saved by the weight behind the central performance. And that's just the idea that, you know, she really wants to be this character. She likes, as in Angelina Mm. Jolie, likes playing Maleficent. I gave it a two out of five. Yeah. Um, So it sounds like a positive review, and it's like, yeah, it is. Still two out of five. I think for both of these films, it was her first live action role in four years at the time mm, so yeah. it was like she didn't do anything like 2010 to 2014 didn't do any live action 2015 to 2019 didn't do any live action right came right. back to do these films so clearly she has a passion for the character yeah yeah i think she wanted to play the character like since she was a child yeah and oh wow it's one of those passion project kind yeah of things, right? and also when you say like who would you cast it's like it said, uh, say we come to this fresh and said, we're doing a lesson film, casting Angelina Jolie. People's like, fair. I would be like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think there are better choices, but she's a good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I have a similar kind of origin to Tim. Mine's slightly different in that, uh, like I said, sourcing me ages ago, watched the first Maleficent last night, watched the second Maleficent this morning before coming here. Oh, wow. Mm, and that's why, I'm, that's why I'm tired. Uh, ah. I, I'm always up at like six o'clock in the morning anyway because of my fucking cat. So my body clock has just gotten used to this now. Yeah. And I was too tired last night. I was like, I mean, it's because they're, like, they're 90 minutes each, right? No, each of these is two hours long. Yeah. They do not. And apparently I was reading up about this because I was angry at how long they were. <laughs> they cut like half an hour out of the first one of other nonsense intro bullshit that is like the first third i mean I was it like, shows because that first third is badly edited it that's, all, it. that's all reshoots that's why it's a bu- um, it's a bunch of reshoots they cut out and trimmed out a bunch I, of stuff and I, realized none of it made sense i know they recast like teen maleficent yes at one point yep. and, and someone had like shot their entire thing mm-hmm. and then just got cut out. Yep, the first like 40 minutes is basically entirely reshot, recast, yeah. mashup bollocks and some of it's the original stuff. Some of the big like sweeping shots of the woods and like of mm. the moors. And I was watching this. First of all, I I thought it was a prequel. I didn't realize it's literally yeah. Sleeping Beauty but from her perspective. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about the kid and I was like, "Well, that's the second one, right? They're going to lead up to Sleeping <laughs> This is the prequel." And they yeah. were like, Aurora's in this one. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure, okay. It's Whatever. it's kind of like uh, Wicked in that way. Yes, it is very much so, yeah. I, I, was, I, I saw Wicked in the theatre and I was not expecting it to go all the way up to The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, I, I assumed it would be all prequel stuff and I was like, same. oh no, they're, they're, they're carrying on. Mm-hmm. Like there's some Wizard of Oz. Oh no, it's right up to the end of that film. Yeah. And yeah, Maleficent does this weird thing and... Again, we'll get to synopses and stuff in a sec. The second one then goes like, oh, but the story you know wasn't actually the story you thought it was. <laughs> and Maleficent isn't the evil one after all. I was like, yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, so we, like, we know we watched Maleficent. Like, that's the thing. She's already been through that character journey. And this is cardinal sin number one of these fucking Disney movies is all the characters go through the same thing, the same arc they have already been through in the animated thing mm. and they don't learn anything new and they do a sequel and they're like oh and now Maleficent must redeem herself like what was she doing five years ago yeah. then <laughs> she literally has been revealed that she kicked out the bad king and has <laughs> crowned Aurora and she's the queen of the moors and the castle and all 
What, what 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 was the point which of the first movie? We're just doing the, the same title thing of Mistress of Evil, which doesn't make sense. She's n- yeah, unless you're talking about Ingrith, the Queen. I oh, guess yeah. that would make sense. I guess, but you're not. Because... I think you're putting too much. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. giving them too much credit I, there because I believe in certain markets the first one was actually called Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Oh, oh. God, and so then when it the second one came out, they then just had to call it Maleficent 2 in oh, places. God. Some classic uh, but yeah. Bruce Lee stuff. Fist yeah. of Fury. It's like, oh no, we won't have one of those things. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- it, it, we'll get into, obviously, as we've said multiple times, the synopsis and stuff like that. But I definitely think because I know Jack didn't care for these films. Matt, you're sort of, you think they're meh. I think they're perfectly serviceable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had problems with both of them, but the the first one at least has like, themes and character arcs and stuff agreed yeah and it's you know it's it's about you know forgiveness for you know things and and forgiving yourself and allowing yourself to be angry but not being like hung up on things you've done wrong in your past interesting stuff i think the execution is not always great but yeah it's it's fine enough the theme of the second one seems to be don't do a genocide <laughs> also don't <sighs> trust other women well, yeah well, <laughs> well, well we'll get to that but yes yeah the i totally agree with you tim that I hate both of these movies. I think they're both crap, churned out Disney live action bollocks. I equated them to the live action Alice movies because I also think they're churned out, not full of CGI nonsense. I, I think bollocks. Alice is I, much worse. Oh uh, yeah, I hate Alice. The both of the Alice. Yeah. Actually, I don't think I've seen the second one, but I hate the first one so I, I virulently. Think, I think I think Mistress of Evil is on par with the Alice movies, and the first Maleficent is slightly better because, like mm. you said, Dim, there are themes in the first one. Mm. The second one is just. We have some ideas, so let's do all the ideas at once. Yeah. We need a war. We need an evil person. We need Maleficent to go through another redemption arc and yeah. get even more powerful. And Which, which <sighs> be- for Disney stories, can work if you do it well. Yeah, yeah. But let's face it, this is not doing it exactly. well at all. Because, exactly. again, I, I mean, I, we will go into this when we go to the synopsis, because I mentioned the rape allegory earlier. To go to the synopsis. Yeah. The, the, there is a very strong theme or two running through Maleficent. Maleficent 2 is a bunch of stuff happens. It's so pushed by the VFX. It is. And and I think it's pushed by the storytelling that they think they want to do at that time. And we will we'll talk about this in a second. I know I've said that a million times already. Because we delved straight into the minutiae of me (laughs) complaining about accents for ten minutes at the beginning. It was the most important thing to (laughs) Joe. But like, yeah, the first one has this very clear idea. The rape allegory is a perfect example there of like, they're telling a story that has a female lead and that's an important part of that story. The second one, Maleficent is in like half of the film. She just hangs out with, again, what have they done to my beautiful boy Chua for? Hangs out with fucking Chua for (laughs) for like 40 minutes in the middle. She's like, Mm. I'm just going to go chill with him while he dies slowly. Like, what? Mm. Aren't... (sighs) But aren't you the most powerful of the Fae and all this, like the chosen one, <laughs> descendant of the Phoenix stuff? Well, it's it's like, the classic, and again, it's the classic idea that where do you, um, because as you mentioned, Maleficent is a prequel to the contents of and slightly a sequel slightly to afterwards, yeah. Sleeping Beauty. So you can't really draw on much because you've already subverted what we expected from the Sleeping Beauty narrative. So you're like, what do we do now? It's like generic fantasy film, problem solved. Any messages mm. in this one? Bitches be crazy. Tell you like, what that's the, not I, a good I idea. I tell you what they wanted to do. Three words. Game of Thrones. Because uh, that is Disney's Game of Thrones. And it's a big piece of shit. Mm. <laughs> I will, I will get onto the comparisons of Game of Thrones yeah, as we go through. There's definite moments of like some Game of Thrones type shit. 
shitloads of Game of Thrones stuff. <laughs> I, I will it's get. I will talk about that for sure. Um, should we get to synopsis? Let's, let's give a synopsis. Yeah. Maleficent 2014. The story opens detailing the young Maleficent, a fairy living in a magical kingdom named the Moors, which is not what Moors actually look like. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when they called it the Moors, I was like, really? Yeah. Like that's usually like a marshy, smoky yeah. swamp. Mm. Yeah. Lots oh, of heather and oh, yeah. north and rolling plains. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, not a it's... beautiful fucking valley. Anyway, on patrol, Maleficent encounters a human boy. Uh, not actually played by Charlton Copley, unfortunately. <laughs> I wish it was. You're right! <laughs> I was just stealing these rocks! <laughs> See how much better that I would know, be? I know, it would be amazing. God, it would be so good. You shouldn't steal. They don't belong to you. I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> I'll catch you like a pig. <laughs> this is how I fix the secret. <laughs> 2019. South Africa. <laughs> So yeah, Maleficent encounters a human boy for the first time named Stefan, and the two form a friendship, but over time the pair grow apart. When As King... these often do, the friendship developed into more. It doesn't, no. for the record. They kiss once. Yeah. Two loves kiss. But what oh, was it, Matthew? Well, mm. we'll get to that shit. When King Henry fails to invade the Moors, because he just decides he wants to, because, you know, kings, he offers a reward to whomever can kill Maleficent. And older Stefan uses his knowledge uh, because they now, had a now thing. played by Shelter Now Shelter Copley because he wanted to give her a ring, um, and it was like, oh, Iron Burns Fairy. He's like, oh, you've told me a weakness. I won't abuse that later. Yeah. So yeah, older Stefan uses his knowledge to reconnect with the fairy, but severs her wings off while she is asleep, claiming the reward by stating she is dead. This is the rape. This is the rape. Mm -hmm. And you may think, well, he he drugs her as well. So yes, exactly. He drugs yeah. her first. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And this is the thing. It's it's like people think like. No, I, th I think you're reading into it too much. Like, no, the way that she's performing this, the way it mm. happens. So that that's I I had it in the back of my mind because I think you had mentioned it before, Matt. Sure. Like, oh, we're gonna talk about Maleficent. Get ready for rape allegories because that's gonna happen. That's unavoidable. And the all credit to Angelina Jolie. Her reaction to losing her wings is this like epic, wailing, powerful it's a pure moment. Defilement. It's, it's amazing. It's like really you really really get the sense that she has been taken advantage of she has been abused she's been defiled mm. all the terrible horrible things yes. people feel after they have experienced something of like that in real life you yes. really get that emotion from her. i think it's probably like her one of her best moments in the performance oh definitely because it's this real like powerful yeah she, she, kind of she trusted thing. someone he drugged her and left her scarred yeah and just abandoned she woke up literally abandoned. missing part of herself yeah it's, yeah. it's yeah. for adults quite on the nose yeah mm. for kids it's just like that's a pretty sad thing it's like yeah. mm -hmm. fucking old guys i mean and, and the thing is i commend the film for doing that in a way mm. because Me it's too. a very mm. bold bit of storytelling yeah. and it's mature the problem is once you've done that you can't really go back mm. you can't really take it to like you can't re-disneyfy it which yeah. they try to do and it's like mm. now now have some wacky fairy hijinks yeah, mm. like we're in fucking Shrek or something. So we're like, but we're back down to the whole like, oh, why is Maleficent such a fucking evil bitch? It's like because mm. she's gone through some awful trauma. Mm. Oh, yeah, mm. yeah, okay. Every villain is now a sympathetic villain. Yeah, because... yeah. So, yeah, so so Stefan comes back with the with the wing saying, yeah, she's dead. Henry honors the agreement and offers his daughter's hand in marriage and the crown to Stefan because you know, uh, and let's face it, if we're going medieval stuff, a daughter would be a commodity. Yeah. Yep. In retaliation, Maleficent turns the Moors into a dark and hostile place and rescues a raven under attack, turning him into a human named Dierval. Reasons. Um, not going to talk about that. Nope. She just needed a confidant. Just, yeah, this whole, up to this point, and I guess this is the reshoot stuff, 
so much of this film is so badly edited mm-hmm. and and stuff just kind of like happens well, out so of nowhere. So much stuff just happens. Like there's a bit because it's she sees a crow and the crow like looks at her and then it just cuts to a scene where the crow is then being attacked Trapped by a farmer man, yeah. and then she just shows up and turns him into a man. It's like, into what? A man. wait, yeah. what the fuck's happening like here? It's because Maleficent has a raven. Therefore, we need a thing. But we don't yeah. want like a fuck, even though we could do a CGI raven, it could talk about And he's called Diablo in the thing, mm. right? Mm. In the, the in Sleeping Beauty in the yes. 1959 yeah. film. So that's like... Can't do that though. Dioval, I guess. Like, yeah. Call it the devil. Can't do that. Yeah. Cruella de like Yeah, great, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. She's not going to skin those dogs. Um, years later, Dierval informs Maleficent that Stefan is now king and has a newborn daughter. Now the film actually starts to get into a bit of a flow because it's just doing Sleeping Beauty, but from a different perspective. So it has a bit more of a structure to it in terms mm. of what we are familiar with. So the editing starts to pan out a bit better, but let's face it, not really because there's so many time jumps. Yeah. The fairy arrives uninvited at the christening and curses the young princess Aurora that on her 16th birthday she will prick her finger on the spindle of a spinning wheel and fall into an eternal sleep. That's classic, classic. Yep. The most iconic Maleficent scene yes. in, in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. And it's quite good. Yeah. She turns up in black and is like, oh, hello. Oh. And Charlotte Cup like, the fuck are you doing here? Again, the, the, and the curse bit is like arguably her famous bit from Sleeping Beauty Entirely. where she walks mm. in. Was I not invited to the baby shower mm. and all this kind of stuff? She does that moment where she like pretends to be really hurt and then like <laughs> breaks into an evil smile yeah. that's really like you're just like wow angelina jolly has very good command of her face she does <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly so stefan pleads for mercy and maleficent adds that the spell be only be broken by true love's kiss which of course she and he do not believe in at all yeah. so they, and he, it's until the end of time <laughs> and cannot be stopped by anything on this earth or something like Always that. Always leave yourself a fucking way out of this. That, <laughs> that, that matters later on. Yeah. yeah. I thought, when I heard that, I was like, that's an oddly specific way to cast that spell. Yep. <laughs> I guess that'll be coming back later. Yep. Stefan goes mad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he grows more of a beard and goes a bit crazy. Yeah. Intent on killing Maleficent, but she erects a border of thick, impenetrable brambles. The king then orders all the spinning wheels in the kingdom to be destroyed and sends Aurora away until after her she turns 16 in the hopes that, you know, she'll avoid the curse. Now, again, we're going to go back to this, obviously, you know what happens. Why don't you melt down all the spindles to, like, you know, a flat disc, not, like, burn them, and then all the spindles are sitting there covered in, like... It's, it's yeah. such a stupid yeah. word. And store them just in a... In the basement. In the basement. In a basement. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah. Blunt them all. Like, yeah. anything, just anything. Yeah. As Aurora grows, Maleficent watches as the incompetent pixies are incapable of properly raising the princess, and the young Aurora believes that the woman watching over her is in fact her fairy godmother. I fucking hate these pixies. I like the pixies in the, in in the original. Me uh, too. Flora, fauna, mm. medic, Merryweather. Mm. They're bickering and they're nice and the whole make it blue, make it green, uh, mm. make, make it pink. That's, yeah. that's great. There's like the bickering sisters kind of mindset. Mm. Uh, these ones are shit. Yeah, they're so bad. They're so annoying, and I don't think it's necessary because it's good actresses playing them yeah it's yeah you got I like think juno temple and yeah um, and melda staunton yeah. and yep. um leslie manville leslie yes, manville thank you like all talented actresses it's just they're written just to be so painfully irritating painfully irritating so stupid I and com- i in- compared them to shrek earlier and they yeah. really yeah. reminded me of all the fucking fairy tale creatures from shrek they're all just like silly slapstick fucking bullshit for no reason and yeah. just like so it, it comes <laughs> more in the, the 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 second film but there's there was a moment in in that in the second film where i was just like 
Why are you not doing anything? You can do magic. Yeah. Like you have magical powers. Why are you not doing something? Mm. I don't un- I don't understand why they pretend to be human to raise her. Again, that's the, what they did in the because original they, story. Yeah. They don't go into town. They're in the middle of the woods, in the middle of yeah. nowhere, in a little cottage. Well, again, that's the classic so, sort of hide, hide. Sorry, to hide from Aurora anything about her past or connection to anything. Yeah. So like, oh, we're just three normal people living in the woods with you, our normal sort of daughter. Yeah. yeah these three sure. weird lesbian aunts, I guess. Like, <laughs> who, don't, who don't know anything about the world. Don't and know don't anything know, like, about a baby anything. needs food and stuff like that. Oh, God, it's, yeah. Oh, it's very... Again, they're the most... I think the tone of whiplash between the animosity between Steph and Maleficent mm. and, and, and genuinely earned and deserved. Again, mm. yeah, like legit... Yeah. Legit. Hostility yeah. that is yeah. actually like, yeah, fuck that. Cutting to, you don't want to do it. This is sort of like, I can't make any lines specifically. I'll, I'll like, pull your hair and you pull my hair. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's yeah. so painfully dumb. Yeah. They, those three just annoy the fuck. And you touched on it just now, Tim. How does magic work in this world? Oh, don't. Oh, no, we <laughs> talk, we've talked about this before. We did a whole episode on magic and how it works in different films and stuff. I made it very clear that I like clearly defined rules for my magic. <laughs> so it's not just why don't the wizards just fix all the problems right now? All of the Harry Potter stuff, why don't you just do spells all the time for everything? Because there are no consequences, yep. and no energy required for your spells, so just do it all the time and you would save the world in ten fucking seconds <laughs> and we'd no need for any of these fucking movies. Maleficent can do crazy fucking shit all the time and then it's like, oh no. I'm like, turn him into a fucking dragon <laughs> five minutes into the movie, yeah. job done. Yeah. Why are yeah. you waiting to do? You don't. It doesn't seem to take any effort from her. She just goes into a man, into a dragon, yeah. into a bear. You're like, do that for the rest of the fuckers. You have an <laughs> army of dragons. What are you waiting for? Yeah, it does. It, and it really makes you question, like, why have you done this weird specific curse on this girl as revenge when you could just fucking wreck the kingdom? Yeah, like you could just you could just march in there, murder. No- and murder the king. Nothing could stop you. Like which we do kind of get to in the sequel, but it doesn't do it well. No, no. no. Um, she gets phoenix powers. Everyone yeah. sounds like I'm making that up. We'll get to that. I'm not. Yeah, and you could, you know, you could say, oh well, it's you know, it's 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 crueler if it's drawn out over time. But like, you could do. You, she could be doing a bunch. Of, she just then leaves the kingdom alone and is yeah, and also, but also knows that like. The king doesn't really care for the daughter because he sent her away. Yeah, it commits the crime by making Maleficent stupid. Yeah, yeah. How do I hurt you? All powerful but stupid. Feeling sympathy for the young girl who is ultimately innocent, Maleficent tries to break the curse, but is incapable of doing so because, of course, she has fucking wording. Yeah, lawyer's contract. Nothing on this earth can break this curse, or whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. And again, I do like the whole like, oh, I've made a terrible fucking mistake here. This is an innocent child. I've kind of fucked this. Uh, I wanted to punish him and I've done it in the worst possible way. Mm. But then also like, ooh. So I, I don't I, mind I, that. I like that as a story idea. I think it doesn't quite land in the oh, film no, no. because Agreed. it doesn't, as much as like the rape allegory works, I don't think it then does a good job of showing how like consumed with anger and revenge she is. Mm. And then that journey back to actually having like humanity again and and caring for aurora and stuff like that yeah it feels very like oh i'm i'm now an evil witch so i've got to do evil witchy things and now i'm 
back to being a, a decent person. Yeah, I'll like, tell you. I'll tell you how D- Angelina. Jo- okay, say that for a, just a very, very, very serious drama with Angelina Jolie in a rape allegory story. I bet you the story would be she raises the child that is the product of the, of that yeah of that incident mm. that attack, yeah. and then she has to learn to love the child because it's an yeah. innocent act, and she can't like that. Which a, is what happens. Yeah, ish, ish, and that's we'll the thing. Get into that, that, but it has, bit, yeah. it has to jump through the hoops of yeah. the established Sleeping Beauty story. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It is tied down by that, and they they try and get out of it because they put that caveat of like it's not the story you were told as mm. a child. Things might be different yes. than how you remember them. Mm. Then change a bunch of shit. Yeah, you yeah, change, change like little bits that make Maleficent a sympathetic character mm. and mm. Yeah. the Raven's name is mm. arbitrarily different and all this like <laughs> stuff that doesn't actually matter. I was like, well then, yeah, like melt down all the fucking spindles, like do something different. Yeah. It's 2014. This isn't 1959. You have, <laughs> yeah. you have like 60 years of filmmaking to lean on to then yeah. go back forward and think like, mm. we tell stories in different ways now, not just literally on film with CGI and stuff, but the way story is structured and all the cliches that have been done with all of these fucking live action Disney films and stuff, you have all of that stuff to do something interesting and different. Let's just do Sleeping Beauty again, shall we? Fine, fine. Get fucking Prince Philip in here, the piece of wooden plank. (laughs) And like, it's not like people are particularly hung up on the plot of Sleeping Beauty. What people care about is the iconography, which this film does have. It does have, you know... Maleficent looking like Maleficent and stuff like that. Yeah, she has, the, she has the silhouette when she the walks si- in. The and silhouette like and, stuff and the and green flames green and flames, the dragon yeah. and stuff like that. The asshole. The, the bramble, the thorns and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, like that's the stuff that people kind of care about. Nobody's like, mm, well, technically she should be raised by the good fairies. Like, I'm sure there are people out there who are like that, but most people don't give a fuck. Yeah, um, they want to see the things that they remember which is the iconic images. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, Aurora meets a young prince named Philip and the two develop feelings for one another. Mm. But like very, very brief period of time. So, you know, teenagers having He's feelings. bland in this movie. Good Lord, is he worse than the second <laughs> one. Different dude. Holy shit, completely yeah. different actor. Worse yeah. Scheduling somehow. conflict stuff. Good Lord. The day before her 16th birthday, Aurora says she wants to live in the moors with Maleficent, but the pixies reveal her true heritage and the truth behind the woman who she calls Godmother. Aurora then returns. I was, I yeah. was very worried that she wasn't going to work out it was Maleficent and that. I thought they were going to do dumb Aurora, which they do in mm. the second she one. She's quite record. painfully annoying. But she comes and she's like, they told me about a, an evil fairy named Maleficent. And I was like, oh God. And she's going to like, who is that fairy mm. godmother? I'll be like, for fuck's sake. But she actually goes, is that you? And I was like, oh, okay. At least she's not completely like blind yeah. to everything that's happening around her. She has actually clocked onto a couple of different things. But uh, yeah, their dynamic and their relationship is so briefly touched upon. Like the fairies, sorry, the pixies, whatever, mm. the, the other three, yeah, the, good, yeah. the, the pink, green and blue, they raise her for like 15 years, mm. 13 years, the vast majority of her life. Yeah. And then Maleficent swoops in for the last six months and is like, I'm the mother now. You're like, wait, what? Well, she has been watching over the whole time. And every time yeah. they're, they're shown to be so incompetent because the fairies in the original, obviously very caring and loving. And mm. she sees them as actual, like their actual triple mothers. And it's like, yeah. mm. so that's, that's the family. Yeah, old classic like, yeah. family setup of triple mothers. Yeah, fuck it. But we learn that they're so fucking bickering 
incompetence that it's like, oh, the beastie's going to walk up a cliff. How terrible. It's like, uh, maybe I'll save her. She gets yeah. sent back and she's like, oh no, I know someone's always been watching over me. It's you. It's like, yeah. Because it's like, again, it's that revenge mindset. It's like, there's no, it's not, it's not good if she just dies in the wood randomly. I want to see this thing out. Mm. I want it's the, the full whack mm. of my power, my plan, but the connection still doesn't feel like it's been formed very It really doesn't strongly. for me. It doesn't feel strong enough for them to give enough of a shit about each other mm. that the film tells you that they do. That's a terribly worded sentence, but you know what I mean. I do. It, it also, we've ju- we slightly jumped over the, at a certain point, once once Baby Aurora's grown up to be Elle Fanning, basically, mm-hmm. um, Maleficent like takes her, it, it, it sends her to sleep, and there's a very confusing editing around this bit. Takes her to sleep, takes her into the moors. Oh, like floats her about floats while she's asleep. Floats her around yeah, while yeah. she's asleep. Um, Aurora wakes up, doesn't bother going like, where am I? What has happened to me? Is just like, oh, I'm in a magical place now. It's lovely. I guess I'll just wander around with my hood up. Yeah. <laughs> and then guys are like, it's a peasant girl. Kill her. Like, yeah. Wait, what? Um, and they, it seems like she keeps coming, going back and forth to the moors, which is cut off from the rest of the kingdom, even more so than it was when it was just like, oh, you're not meant to go in there kind of thing. And this is, I think this is meant to be the bit where we, Maleficent turns from like, I'm just looking out for this kid so she grows up and the curse could be fulfilled to, oh no, I actually care for her. Yeah. But it, it, it because it's all in this weird circumstance of like her putting Aurora to sleep and then bringing her into the moors and then like knocking her out again arbitrarily, like at random points, like it's just halfway through a conversation and she's just like, go to sleep now and now I'm going to take you back out. It still feels so weird and artificial. Like they're, 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 their relationship's so hard to get a handle on. Yeah. Um, it's yeah and again there's some real like there, there was a lot in this part where i was like hang on are they in the malls now yeah no they're exact- out no they're out of the- no they must be out of malls because that's a human yes no wait wait but with the with the peasant girl bit yeah i'm like mm. oh so she's that side of the, the big thorn wall yeah. right and they're like oh there's a human and i'm like i thought they can't so are they does she how did they and there's a where does this there's a bit where maleficent is looking at her looking at the thorn wall and then you cut to some soldiers also looking at Aurora, but they don't see Maleficent. And it's like, wait, what's the fucking layout? The geography yeah. in this film is so <laughs> bad. It's a classic example of a CG film with tons of green screen and very few sets, whereby there's no actual lay of the land. And so you have mm. people who are disconnected animators working on things like, should she be back at this shot? It's like, oh, fuck. And again, the discordant editing is going to make, make that kind of... Copy-paste. Yeah. Back there. yeah. And it was... Uh, I can't remember the director's name, but he was a first-time director. Mm. He was a come from like production design and CGI animation and stuff like that. Yeah, Robert and Stromberg. It, yeah, and it was his first film. And also, it's not first-time director for the second one, but it's someone who usually worked with a co-director, and it was mm. their first solo film. And their previous films weren't... They, they were like the fourth uh, Pirates of the Caribbean film, you know. They're, they're weird fucking choices for director on these ones. Yep. Yeah. So... Aurora then returns to Stefan, who fortifies the castle to prepare to attack and kill Maleficent, because he doesn't care about Aurora. Again, gender, the curse means nothing. The curse then draws Aurora to the dungeon, and she pricks her finger. Because I told you, bad plan. Passing out. Maleficent plans to break the curse by bringing Philip to kiss the sleeping princess. Uh, but, you know, true love's kiss, problem solved. However, his kiss doesn't work, as the two have only really just met. I like that. Yeah. I really like that. Again, they're doing interesting things with gender here. 
Yes. They're making it a much more modern retelling, which is exactly, I think, what you need to do with these modern Disney films mm. is you can't just tell the stories from the 30s, 40s, 50s, word for word, beat for beat. What's mm. in the Frozen you, thing? Yes. You need to do something interesting. You need to spin it and give it a modern take and reinterpret it in some way. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, Philip's here. And he gives her the kiss. And I'm like, great. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. Thank God yeah. for that. And then. Dejected. <laughs> Maleficent apologizes. I'm sorry, beastie. Don't call her fucking beastie then. Yeah. And uh, kisses her on the forehead, waking her from the spell because it's true love, uh, mothering figure. No truer love. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just quite in the movie, Matthew. I mean, yeah, I get it. Fair. No truer love of the, the woman who cursed her, who's grown to like her a bit, I guess. Yeah. Again, <laughs> that entirely hinges on how much we believe in their relationship. Yeah, no, we don't. Well, I don't. I don't either. And that's the problem. Yeah. It's a brilliant idea. Twisting it round and turning it into the love of a mother. Yeah, especially very, very with clever. the rape yeah. allegory. Sorry. Yeah. Especially with the rape allegory and getting out of the Philip just shows up and he's true love. Yeah. What coincidence bollocks that, again, doesn't work for modern audiences now. We, I feel like we've at least kind of grown mm. up out of that. Yeah. Brilliant idea. But they do not set the foundations and set the the relationship properly. So I actually believed it. Yes. And that is a massive fucking problem because that is basically the entire point of this movie. <laughs> yeah, it would have been so painful of a film where they talk about the idea of a woman being taken advantage of where she was drugged. And then Philip goes, with, there yeah. you go, problem there solved. There you go, problem solved. Yeah. I was like, oh, Jesus. Both Maleficent and Aurora make amends and head back to the moors, but Stefan arrives and ambushes the fairy. You little fucking fuck. <laughs> Gilly fucking fairies. Prawns. <laughs> While eating prawns. <laughs> Maleficent transforms Diaval into a dragon. But they're both bested. And it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> they're just wrapped in chains, I guess. Yeah, iron. Does, so, doesn't yeah. transform herself because we've got to have Angelina Jolie on screen. Exactly. We've, paid, we've paid money, paid money to have it. Yeah. 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 Although, again, the sequel. Yeah. 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 And it's such classic Disney violence, quote-unquote violence, and they exacerbate this in the second one. Basically, everything that's wrong with this first one, as you will soon learn, audience who haven't already seen it, is worse than the second one. Mm-hmm. Welcome to sequelizers. Yeah. But he's roasting dudes alive in their suits. Yeah. <laughs> you don't see any of that shit. He breathes and then they cut to reactions of them going, oh, flames. Yeah. And Charlotte Copley goes, oh, it's hot. <laughs> Nobody actually dies in these films. They get, hit, they get hit by the big tree monsters and then they're like, ah, oh, I ah, oh, I've often landed off in a field somewhere. Like, you're pro- ba- you're probably fine. Like, Dead. Yeah. I'm you not killing be, them. It's like, yeah, you should dead. be crushed to death. You should be burned yeah. alive. How, how did you just, oh, we'll chuck some chains over this dragon and then problem solved. Mm-hmm. The dragon would murder you all. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Unless it's got the proportional strength of a raven. Uh-huh. So it's actually really, really weak. <laughs> yeah, because the magic doesn't explain much. So you end up with, as you say, the idea of like, this is a dragon. It's like, amazing. With does the that... brain of a raven? Yeah, mm-hmm. does that is that based on... And the raven can talk when it's a human? Has he ever form? been a dragon before? Is this new to him? Uh, well, he gets annoyed with her constantly changing. Yes. Like when he turns into a wolf. And he's like, I don't want to be a damn dirty dog or whatever. Like, yes. Right, mate. Bird racist. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> um, much. But also. And Disney knows a lot about racist crows, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, again, it's, it's Miss Maleficent. Like, is it because she's under iron chains herself? So her magic is weaker, possibly? Questions that never answered. If that's mm. her weak magic that she turns a dude into I a know, dragon. I know. I <laughs> know. <laughs> 
So they're, they're bested. Aurora finds and releases Maleficent's wings. They're still alive all this time. They're wiggling about in a cupboard. Wiggling it's so around. weird. And and we've seen them before in the film not wiggling. Correct. And then they just start wiggling now. So Which I guess you could kind of go like, well, she's nearby. They're trying to get back to her. But like, it would have been so much better if... like, Because there's a bit where it's uh, Stefan... Uh, mm. sits like staring at them and talking to them because yes. he's going mad. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you'd have seen them like twitching and stuff during that, that'd be quite great. creepy and quite cool. Quite yeah. creepy yeah. and also set up the fact that they're still alive. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah. don't, don't bother with that. Um, so yeah, the wings return to the owner and at full power, she's able to beat Stefan and his guards because she can fly now. That's that yeah. was all it took. She also gets more magical power. I guess like, she's complete and I whole guess, again. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. yeah. Maleson chooses to spare Stefan's life, but in trying to attack her, he falls to his death. That classic idea of like, no, I'm benevolent. I've, I'm, I'm not going to... It's like, yeah. no, well, I don't really care. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I'm God, not going to save you then. Every time we do it, I'm like, that'd be so much better. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to pull out your fucking teeth. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too evil. <laughs> oh no, I'm fucking Hans Grubering off the building. <laughs> ah! Seriously, it is the exact same shot. It is the classic green screen falling off a building. Yeah. Slow motion. He's got long hair, so his hair is swooshing everywhere. Yeah. She just chooses not to save him. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So Aurora and her godmother return to the moors and take down the bramble border with the princess being crowned the queen of the moors. And she says, the narrator says, and I was Aurora. Woo. Yes. It's like, great. The end. And it's, I know it's this story? Fine. Most people call me Sleeping Beauty. Mm. How okay. very arrogant of you. Mm. Um, it's it's fine. Mm. It's perfectly fine. Mm. It's, it's I've made clear I don't like this. What's um because <laughs> Emma like your yeah, yeah. last sleep music? What does yeah. she think of it? She doesn't like it either. Ooh, I'm I know. Yeah, yeah, I was I, I was like, uh, so she was in the in the room with her friend and could kind of hear me watching it last night. He was like, "Fuck it all." Yeah, pretty much. I would just be like, "The fuck is this? What the, like we like I did with cats, Matthew, in the cinema? Oh yeah, I, can hear I don't it. like something. <laughs> There's dodgy CGI. I'm saying, what the fuck is this? Why are they doing that? Well, that's fucking stupid. And kind of playing up because I know Emma's in the next room and she knew I was watching it. And I, I finished it and I was like, that was fucking rubbish. And she was like, is that the first one? I was like, yeah. I don't even like the first one, let alone the second one. She's like, yeah, I don't really like the first one either. I'm like, oh, thank God. I thought I was about to break her heart or something <laughs> like that. But thankfully, yeah, Emma doesn't... I think hmm. she's more in your line of thought, Matt, where it's like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever. Yeah. I don't think anything of it apathetic and that it can exist doesn't hurt her doesn't hurt yeah. again that's it doesn't hurt her enjoyment of the original it's like yeah oh, it's done yeah. a defilement exactly yeah. i will say the cats connection here Uh-oh. i think the CG- lots of bum holes <laughs> lots of bum holes <laughs> fairy sh- release the fairy bum hole cut <laughs> um there's lots of cgi in this film oh yeah uh, an awful yeah. lot oh yeah i don't think any of it is particularly terrible but there's too much of it is the problem i agree um 100 like you can tell that the director comes from like a production design background because there, there's a lot of care given into like all the different fairy designs, um, you know, most of which are pretty interesting. And then you have the generic human characters who have to still look like the characters from Sleeping Beauty, um, you know, but there's a lot of like, oh, like weird slobber jobs and stuff like that hanging out in the moors and, and doing stuff. And it feels very... It's sort of uh, Poundland del Toro. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which but is just... interesting because two years prior, Rupert Sanders did um, Snow White and the Huntsman, mm. which 
I don't mind that film. Yeah. Sequel, no, I don't. I don't fine. mind that film. But I like the fact that it looks good. Yeah. It has yeah. a really nice visual presentation to it. It looks yeah. really cool. I mean, it's the kind of like Sleeping Beauty and Snow White, obviously entirely different properties, but they go both going for the grounded, realistic thing. But this one very much leading into the more the Disney magical mm. side of things. There's an air of it in Snow White and Huntsman, so it doesn't really fit in the same way. But most of it still feels like it's on a set. And in a good way, it's, it's these are constructed production design thing, and also Sanders from a similar background, I think. Whereas Maleficent's like, I can tell this is mostly green screen, yeah, and it's fucking me off. Yeah, I could notice the green screen sometimes. I feel like you know you get that slight little blur haze around people. There was like, uh, there are some bad shots in yeah, it, um, yeah. but Which I think probably yeah. reshoots and being rushed. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. that did that definitely felt like a lot of them were in the opening half. It makes so much sense that there were heavy reshoots yep. because. Yeah, watching the first like half of it, I was like, "There's some good bits in here, but this has the potential to be like this is there's a lot going wrong in this film." I think it yeah. evens out towards the end, but yeah, it's there's a there's a lot of like just really bad editing, really bad storytelling, and and like we say, it's so the whole point of the story is the relationship between Aurora and Maleficent, and it just screws that up it doesn't give it enough time aurora never really feels like a human being she just feels no, she she still feels like a very basic disney princess yep. to just walk around and be like everything's lovely oh, isn't here everything pretty? Oh, i That's should live pretty. in the moors and i should be happy forever and i should dance around and and mm. play in the mud and be wonderful and my hair should be braided by birds um and you never get any sense of her as like a real human being and like Elle Fanning's a capable actress, oh, yeah, you know, totally. like she could do it. And the amount of humanity that it tries to give Maleficent, like, and, and pretty much succeeds, you know, it, it does. It makes her a rounded character, makes her an interesting character. Like you think, Oh, if you couldn't have just spared like three or four more minutes of screen time, like just get rid of like one of the flashbacks or not flashbacks, but like one of the, the earlier scenes when they're like teenagers or whatever, or some just get the film going properly. Yeah, just get rid of some fucking stupid pixie comedy nonsense and actually like explore who this character is and what her relationship is with this weird, you know, fairy godmother, adoptive mother, enemy yes. thing. <laughs> so turning back onto those reshoots for a sec, uh, she originally had she being Maleficent had a fairy king and fairy queen who were an aunt and uncle yes they were cast and shot and edited out of the movie oh wow uh, miranda richardson and peter capaldi were cast Great and shot fucking as choices i know mm -hmm. right scottish actual scotsman who, who <laughs> thought it? uh queen ulla and king kinlock uh but yeah they had about 15 minutes at the beginning somewhere in the middle in that first yeah movie with a bunch of reshoots happened Strong, there's a quote from Stromberg here. He says, We spent a bit more time originally in the fairy world before we got to the human side of things. We wanted to get the film under two hours, so we ended up cutting about 15 to 20 minutes out of the first act. And then that had to be seen together with some pretty basic reshoots. He later claimed in an interview that they, he employed an age-old emotional storytelling for the film and called it the biggest thrill against all technological advances. Like, against technological <laughs> What are you talking about? Don't understand that last bit. Uh, the reshoots were assisted by John Lee Hancock, who, unsurprisingly, worked on Snow White and the Huntsman. <laughs> yes, yeah. Surprise, surprise. And he was uh, approached by the producer, Joe Roth. Again, Snow White and the Huntsman saving Mr. Banks. They have that connection yeah. there. Um, and Roth said, uh, Hancock isn't directing. He's written some pages and I've hired a first-time director, so it's good to have him on set. 
Uh, with a film of this magnitude uh, entrusted to a novice director, this movie is gorgeous to look at, and the last 75 minutes are really entertaining. The issue was the opening, which was reshot over eight days. Oof. Eight yeah, days. That's an eight-day reshoot. That is not And they cut out, time. like, 20 minutes of stuff. Yeah. And it really, like I said, I thought the whole movie was that stuff, and then they would be like, and the baby was born. And someday Maleficent would curse her or some bollocks. Yeah. And or end with the curse or something. End with the curse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She storms in, does the curse, walks out with a smile, mm. cut to black. I assumed that. I was 50 minutes into this film and I was like, so that, that I mean, how much is left? I looked again, I was like, an hour. Brilliant. Okay. Well, where the fuck are we going with this? I felt the same way about the second film. About yeah. 20 minutes in and I was like, yeah. well, that's everything done. Oh, there's an hour and a half left. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> see, see, as much as Maleficent is fine in my yeah. eyes, as I said in my review, didn't need a sequel to it. because It doesn't need to be two hours long. No. Well, you've literally got... You've, you've covered everything that's in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. So then you're and down then to pure manufacturing stuff now. Yeah. And they don't do a good job. There's the first comparison to Game of Thrones, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you've run out of original source material, so let's just make shit up. Oh, wait, it's much, much worse. Let's get into it then. Prepare for Game of Thrones references from me. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, 2019. Is that the final year of Game of Thrones release? Or is that... Yes, it is. Okay. I believe. Five years after the first film, uh, both in real life and the thing. Appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Prince Philip proposes to Aurora, which again, for Disney is quite impressive because usually it'd be a sense of like, oh, we've been known that going out for like three or four minutes. <laughs> Do you want to spend the rest of our lives together? <laughs> again, sure. yeah. Which... Avoiding the true love's kiss after 10 seconds. Yeah. Thing, like, yeah. I mean, that's pretty consistent for how it was in medieval times as well exactly so yeah prince philip proposes to aurora maleficent is initially against it but wants her goddaughter to be happy so agrees to meet philip's parents despite the conflict between the moors and the kingdom of ulstead so this is shrek 2 shrek 3 whichever one yeah shrek 2 this is just shrek 2 which as listeners will know we don't like we do not like (laughs) at a dinner aurora diaval and maleficent meet king john and queen ingrith but the atmosphere is icy as they discuss politics and the events of the first one. Like, I heard a story about this. Michelle Pfeiffer is also using this accent as well. Yeah, oh, she, is, she certainly is. I think she just turned up and said, oh, listen here, I've been doing this. I was, <laughs> I was Catwoman, motherfucker. Um, I, it feels like they just watched Stardust and were like, hey, can you do that again? Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Except yeah. without the kind of winking sense of fun. Yes, mm. exactly. God, Stardust is great. After Partial series, shot in Norwich. It was. It was yeah. Great. After Posh is very, very generous as a yeah. there. <laughs> Momentarily shot. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, with Ricky Gervais. Oh. Yeah. After a series of underhanded taunts and jabs, Maleficent takes offense when Ingrid implies Aurora can finally have a real mother, as Tim referenced at the start of the show. This magical outburst seemingly causes King John to faint, and the Queen accuses Maleficent of cursing him. Can't trust these dirty fucking magic people. You know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, let's let the in-laws sort of meet each other before and mm. it turns out big old racist. Yeah. Uh, which again, real life. Kind of a theme going yeah. here. Yeah. Not very well. Yeah. When we'll, guards we'll, arrive. We'll get on to race in a moment. Yeah. Good lord. Oh, yeah. When guards arrive, the fairy is forced to leave, but is shot with an iron bullet and she falls into the sea. So Maleficent's already out of the fucking picture. She's not dead, though, don't worry. No. Philip and Aurora prompt Ingrid to try and wake the king with true love's kiss, but it has no effect. Maleficent is saved and wakes to find herself surrounded by a secret council of fairies in hiding. Yeah. I hate it in so the, much. In the big construction from where the wild things are. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Just a weird nest in the bottom of the sea. In a cave. 
Two of the most prominent figures are the peaceful leader, Connell, and the hot-headed Bora. Which are um, Chiwetel Ejiofor and Ed Scream, respectively. Yeah. Mm. And we've got the hot-headed white guy being like, war and stuff, fuck the humans. Mm -hmm. And then peaceful man of color being like, no, we're all cool, man. Pacifists mm -hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and it's not worth it. Yeah. You notice I'm, how... I'm here to tell you you're special and then die. Seriously, yeah. yeah. Oh, we've got a black guy doing exposition and then... Oh, no. You know, that you know what happens to black guys that do exposition in these movies? Yeah. He's going to last 10 minutes. And the fact that as soon as we get outside of the kingdom of Allstead and all this kind of stuff, yeah. suddenly the diversity <laughs> shoots through the roof. It's like, oh, all the Fae and stuff. There's like multiple ethnicities and stuff. Where was this in the rest of the movie? Like, it's, no, no, no. We yeah. keep it as white and traditionally medieval as possible. It's now, like, now, Jack, uh, that's not true. There's one black man in Ulstead. <laughs> sorry, sorry, yes. Tim. But it is a classic thing of like, oh, you know, we're going classic European literature folklore. It's like, yeah, I get it. I mean, there are examples of literally people of color in, you know, yeah, Europe. Roman England yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, that's it's bullshit otherwise. But the point is, it's just whitewashed history. But at the same time, it's also fascinating. That like, yeah, but you've got a story about magic people. I think you can do whatever the fuck you want. It doesn't need to be like, yeah. you know, oh, no, 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 we couldn't do that because, you know, there wouldn't have been black people in this yeah. time period. The time period of what? Yes. When is this? This isn't it medieval England. It wouldn't be historically accurate to Ulstead. Yes. <laughs> Fuck's sake. If we had subtitles to our episodes, yeah. historically accurate to Ulstead. Yeah. It was like they had this in um, Mary Queen of St Scots where they had uh, Gemma Chan. Mm. I, was, I can't remember the, the name of the individual. It's some sort of courtier of Queen Elizabeth and it's like you know people are saying that's ridiculous and it's like no it isn't it's like Shakespeare if they're the best person for the role put them in the fucking role it doesn't need to be period accurate entirely yeah. like you know it's like because again the way we see the past is not no. anyway, yeah. yeah this isn't the past this is fantasy the, the fire and allegory for people of color and people minorities yeah, and stuff there's, basically. there's some real fucking avatar fern gully yeah. bullshit going on with yeah. them yeah uh, there was a review I was listening to on uh, YouTube that was like, oh, I didn't realize I made Avatar 2 already. Yeah. <laughs> here it fucking is. Like, yeah, pretty much. Maleficent learns that she is, in fact, a dark fae, and their race was hunted to near extinction by humans. I mean, uh, yeah, we're assholes. Kind of makes sense. She doesn't look anything like... She doesn't, like, she fit, in, she fit in with anyone walls, else. But she doesn't look like any of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Furthermore, Maleficent is directly descended from the phoenix but needs to pass various tests to unlock her full potential. <laughs> I hate it so much. Grinding up the levels. Both Connell and Bora believe Maleficent's power is the key to ending the conflict between humans and magical creatures, either through a, you know, a lasting peace or war. In Ulsted, the royal wedding is set to go ahead as planned, with all the magical folk invited, but Aurora is suspicious of her mother-in-law to be. Humans trespass into the moors to harvest a dangerous flower, but in trying to stop them, Connell is killed. Bora uses this as an excuse to start a war. I am glazing over you are so grazing much a lot stuff, of stuff here, because yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> there's all you have is that there's lots of wedding preparation stuff. Ingrith is, you know, evil. Evil. <laughs> Harvesting so, yeah, weapons of war. Very, very blatantly evil. That's yeah. the thing. We as the audience know Ingrith is the bad guy. Yes, it's established like clearly. 15 minutes. Everyone else around it is like, who could have possibly poisoned the king? Who is got this crazy mad scientist laboratory underneath the castle <laughs> who could possibly be doing all of these things and she's like <laughs> yeah i don't know <laughs> which again for a fairy tale is fine sure but the thing then becomes it's 2019 man that's like, true it's true uh, especially when it's supposed to be subverting things yeah. yeah and also it's live action versus animated and in yeah and in live action the the 
suspension of disbelief is considerably less. You, you make everyone look stupid. Yeah. yeah. And also Maleficent, she's just hanging out for a while, healing up and things. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Aren't you worried about Aurora? You know, it's like, oh, she'll have a real mother. Oh, fuck. You know, oh. that daughter you love so much? Yeah. Apparently. She just kind of just hoofs it. Yeah. But there we go. Aurora discovers that Ingrid poisoned her husband and has been working on weapons of war that will wipe out magical people once and for all. Game of Thrones, Cersei poisons Robert Baratheon. There you go. Sure. Game of Thrones sure. reference. She also makes yeah. the wildfire. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Well, nice. yeah, sort of. I'll, I'll take it. It turns out Ingrid uh, hates all fairy folk, knowing that their kingdom thrived while hers suffered. Again? Mm. I thought, because she starts talking about how her brother went off into the fairy lands and was never seen again. I thought there was going to be a twist that her brother was going to be King Stefan. I thought the, the same thing film. as well. That's oh, exactly what I thought. And then they didn't do that. And the I original like, plan yeah. for Stefan was to him to be a half fairy, half human hybrid bastard son of King Henry, by the way. Ah. There you go. Oh, interesting. Which I think would have been Better. an interesting yeah. little... Mm. Yeah, yeah. Or have one... Have a have a hybrid kind of character in this. Yeah. Because that would then play on the conflict a bit more and... Mm. Mm. Nope, none of that. No. In the chapel, it's clear that the only people present are the Moor folk. And when an organ is played, it releases spores from the flower, which begins to kill them. It's the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones. Red Wedding, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. They literally saw, oh, the evil music playing. Wait, what evil music? No, no, no. And no, it's no, no, so no. fucking dumb. There's literally a, an organ key that's marked what? red. One organ and key. And when you press it, it like shoots out bombs. A, a globule of this stuff. <laughs> oh, God. That... Like they're shooting out a fair amount, but it doesn't like. Oh god! It you could just, just go. Yeah, just spam the button and be like, "You're all dead now." Yeah. Also, just gathering people in a gas chamber. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, we're just we're just literally a gas chamber. We're we're just 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 not touching on that, Disney. Just not just going to ignore that whole thing of like, like I said, all the people of color, all the more people that are like. Well, they're all like magical trees and mm. shit as well, but like yeah. all of them are like, oh, the white people just gather them all in one room and gas the fuck out of them. Like, yeah, okay, it's, yep. it's <sighs> just gonna have is, a, just gonna have a genocide in the middle yeah. of this film for no fucking reason. The thing is, it's quite traumatizing to watch for kids. I imagine even for adults, it's quite. Hard I, to watch. I was amazed at how much. I cared about these tree monsters dying. Yeah. <laughs> I like, because I thought like they'll go like and like shrivel and they turn into like flowers and bollocks mm. and like whatever, which they do. Just regular ass trees. But they, but they, li- yeah, but they literally are like clawing at their faces and like freaking out. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. really like suddenly very traumatic and dark after all yeah. this kind of nonsense that's been happening. Yeah. There's something like, we're going to do some real serious shit right now for. 90 seconds, yeah. and then back to the other nonsense. Yeah. Okay, tonal whiplash in the middle of the film. Sure, why not? Then, <laughs> one of the pixies sacrifices herself to clog up the organ. With with her death flowers. Yes, yeah. Something. She just goes and lodges herself in the pipe, basically, and, and, and sacrifices. It's Juno Temple's character, I want to mm. say. Yeah. No, no, it's um, Imelda Staunton's. Is one. it? It's the yeah. blue one. Christ, yes. I didn't yeah. remember that. God damn, all right. Well, anyway, point is... She's the annoying one, so that's fine by me. Yeah, they, they sacrifice... Again, I felt nothing in like in sense of like, that's a... Okay, well, one of them is dead. Okay, I, fine. I, I was surprised they did that. Bec- and this is what I was mentioning earlier. I was like, why aren't they using their magical powers to yeah. stop this from happening? They're all magical. Like, there's it's literally a stone building. Can you not like just smash out the windows? Magical there? trees. There's... They're fucking ents. Yes, smash there's... down the fucking doors. Yeah. What are you doing? Grab the woman who's playing the organ and just hoof her off the... 
the ledge that she's on. Well, well, Tim, funny yeah. you should say that. Go on, Matthew. Oh, no, no. You, <laughs> okay. She gets distracted by fairies and falls off the ledge. Yes. What the get, fuck? No, she's committing genocide. No, it's she's a Disney just, thing. You can't, a, these she, characters cannot. It's like saying they're killing Stefan. They can't kill the character because that makes them evil. Exactly. So they have to be of their own She's like, oh, yeah. no, get away with me, fairies. I better not stand near this railing. Oh, no. Yeah. She falls back. I it's mean, like, in the eyes of Ugh. the law, you murdered that person. <laughs> they could say the Lord. In the <laughs> eyes of the Lord. Christ has judged you. Yeah. Murderous fairies. Yeah. I mean, oh, going to church and actually, I, I've just realized there's also a plot point from The Patriot starring Mel Gibson. <laughs> Can you imagine Mel Gibson just kicking those doors in and be like, well, come with me, fairies. Well, it's, it's like, how do we establish that the English are bastards? And to be fair, the English are bastards throughout history. Mm. It's like, we're going to have all the, the you know, uh, 1776 motherfuckers, the War of Independence mm. uh, supporters, their, their wives and daughters are all in chapel. Oh, yeah. And the British... Board it up and burn it burn down. It down yeah. And it's like, yeah, we did do awful shit like that, so that's fine. Mm. Eh, it feels weird to be. I mean, again, I feel like actually burning it down would have been less traumatic than gassing them with weird. Seriously, ass. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's anyway, so dark. So uh, Maleficent and the other Fae arrive, um, and uh, a big battle ensues with between the flying people and the and the armored individuals. I was really disappointed that the 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 dark fae the flying ones didn't turn into anything when they got hit because all the others like we've well, got like a dandelion into person, a dragon yes. just turns, turns into, but then turns into a da- just turns into a dandelion yeah. the tree when the ants get hit they just turn into trees basically yep. the flying the dark fae like I was expecting them to turn into like just swarms of birds or something like yeah. that and the they, same thing. they just hit and turn into dust like they, they're vampires they they yeah. thanos they just yeah. snap and yeah Disney loves this turning into dust bollocks these days for some reason because it, it's this massive, like, really violent moment going from a fucking gas chamber to now a big battle where loads of people on both sides are definitely dying. Yes. Mm. On screen, there is not a drop of blood to be seen. <laughs> people turn into flowers and trees and dust, therefore it's fine. But it is violent as fuck. True. Maleficent is ready to kill Ingrith. As we know, that can't happen because Disney. But Aurora convinces her not to, professing the fairy is the only real mother she's ever known. That is, I mean, it's Ignoring true. the three fairies that actually <laughs> raised her yeah. for 15 years. And her actual birth mother, who she never knows. because no. oh, We didn't mention this in the first one. Aurora's birth mother just dies. Yeah. Um, we, you know. we, I, don't, I think we see she has one line, yeah. I think, yes. maybe in the film. For a film about mothers and stuff, I'm surprised that doesn't get brought up more. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it is what it is. So then Ingrid takes, Disney. Uh, Ingrid takes this opportunity to kill Maleficent with the crossbow. And it's the classic, like, I'll shoot Aurora. And Maleficent gets in the way and goes, yeah. oh, beastie, and turns into dust. It's like, <laughs> shit, she's dead. Except you used the word phoenix earlier. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Aurora is then devastated, but her tears resurrect the fairy as a giant phoenix. It's a big black bird, and it's like, oh, into a dragon. Sure. Um, <laughs> Ingrith uh, then throws Aurora off the tower, because, again, she has to be irredeemable bastard. Mm-hmm. And Maleficent saves her. Uh, then Philip sues for peace and releases all the magical beings, because they're trying to get into the church and let mm. him out. Yeah. And then Ingrith is turned to a goat, and Aurora and Philip get married, and Maleficent goes back to the moors. There's also a scene where oh, the king Ingrith... I forget how she gets down there, but she's like running through the castle basically. Yes. When the when the battle has turned against them and is confronted by like is his name Bora, the Ed Screen yes. angry yep. dark fae. Yeah. Who you think and is a gonna bunch like of, just kill her. And yeah, and a bunch of the other dark fae, and you're like, 
oh, this is where she dies just off screen. And then she yeah, just kind of no country for old men on her ass. No. And then she just kind of wanders into the film a bit later and gets turned into a goat. And it's like, yeah, um, you definitely had a darker ending planned here. Scar where... and the hyenas kind of shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And totally justified. She tried to do a genocide on them. Yeah. And was well, she did do a genocide. She did. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah she like killed off a significant mm. chunk yeah. of their population. Yeah. But then equally, I, I actually I got to agree with Disney on this one. The message you're sending to kids can't be did a genocide, kill them. It's like, mm. well, it's like, no, you get imprisoned in a goat until you learn to be more tolerant. It's like, there, I get that. There's also the, um, I think he's played by Warwick Davis. Yeah, like, he, he is indeed. Yeah. I didn't cover that at all in this because, yeah, he is, fucking he's matter. this, um, God, I can't, it's a real word that he's named Lickspittle. That's it. Yes, Lick, um, who's this, like, He's a pixie, isn't he? He's a pixie or a goblin or whatever who is down in yeah. her in the castle basement. He's, he's a Warwick Davis. He's the one who is experimenting on the Can't fairies. It is Warwick Davis. <laughs> I know. He's the one who's experimenting on the fairies and comes up with the weapon that's gonna like wipe them out. Yes. He he is essentially the fucking it's the Joseph. He's the girl. He's the Joseph Mengele. <laughs> he's of, the Mengele. <laughs> um, and um. Aurora finds him at one point and he's like about to kill off like some other fairies. Um, and she's like, Oh, you're, you're, you're a, a pixie too. She took yeah. your wings. And then he just kind of makes a face. And then later he's like, there's, there's like the, the heroic moment when they finally won the battle and you've got, uh, Maleficent and you've got Aurora standing there and Philip and then he's just stood next to them like well I've turned over to the good side now and it's all going to be alright it's like motherfucker you invented this you are essentially the architect of the gas chambers and you're just like yes but I was sad once here's our new Avenger Arnim Zola yes like, uh, sure so yeah the film ends and it's not good um, <laughs> end of podcast yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. No, it's, it, I think it doesn't really have enough of a central theme. It doesn't have the connection between all the motivation. Like, oh, I'm her mother because I'm. It's like, yeah, sure. No one should invalidate somebody who has literally got that relationship. Mm. That's fine. I get that. But then she actively doesn't seem to give a shit. <laughs> I mean, like I said earlier, the theme seems to be don't be a cartoonishly evil person who wants to do a genocide. Yeah. Which compared to the first one, which is like. So much about Maleficent's journey. Like, what is Maleficent's arc in this? Is like, she gets... She's a phoenix, Tim. She gets annoyed. <laughs> she loses her temper. She goes away. She learns where she comes from, but it doesn't actually change anything about her. Correct. Yep. Then she comes back. Then she dies. And then she, then she becomes a phoenix. She, she wrecks ass, dies, <laughs> wrecks some more ass, and, and then I'll the film ends. I'll be back ends. for the christening. Woo! Yeah. Because... She can sense that Aurora's pregnant. Yeah. It's like kind of <laughs> disgusting and creepy. And like Aurora doesn't really learn anything. Nope. No, Aurora's like, barely there. Bless well, Elle Fanning, she's, but she's, like she's she's like a significant chunk of the film. I, I meant I meant physically she's there. Oh yeah. She doesn't do anything she's or on, say anything she's of, on camera. She's on camera, yeah. but she's she just does like some puzzle solving. She does very much like the first film. It's just a oh look over there. Oh, there's Maleficent. Oh, there's something pretty over there as well. Hello, Philip. Oh, there's something over there. I guess. Oh, I guess I everyone want to around me will dress. die now. I want to wear this dress. No, you shall wear this dress. Okay, I guess I'll wear that dress then. <laughs> she, she is okay. a strong, powerful yeah. woman. Yeah, she great. She has no real agency over Not anything at, all, no. at any point in these films. But again, this is what happens when you. Well, not doesn't obviously have to happen this way, but 
if you're making a shift in perspective to the villain of the piece, classically speaking, mm. you have to detract or take away from the invert commas hero of the piece. Mm. Um, we should fix this. We should. We should. Let's do it. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible has thousands upon thousands of audiobooks, but not only that, they also have podcasts, stand-up comedy, all kinds of amazing, cool things on offer. Uh, one thing I'd like to personally recommend, just because keep it in with what we're doing at the minute, is Sleeping Beauty and Other Children's Favorites, as read by Catherine Lutz. Um, it's literally like 12 minutes long, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's really high, well, it's high rated. It does well, but most importantly, it's an American lady with an American accent. Read the story, <laughs> and it works fine. She's not doing one of those British accents. No, oh, although good. I should point out, it is, I believe, the grim version of it. Oh, interesting. Which is okay. much more okay. twisted. Um, so for this, you could obviously, and many, many other books, you can go for a 30-day free trial and one free audiobook from us. I, 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 okay, full disclosure, don't get that as your free audiobook. You're not getting bang for your buck there, ladies no. and gentlemen. Get that when you've got a when you've subscribed and you have a whole thing going because you know that's twelve minutes long. Go for something really long. But you know, once you've uh, enlisted to that, feel free to check it out. So go to audibletrial.com slash sequel for your thirty day free trial and one free audiobook. So I'm on Rotten Tomatoes duty mm. for this week. Oh shit. <laughs> I th- yeah, not I think I can't see these being like I think they're gonna be fairly low. Even with the Disney fans, people like I know this. I know the first one made like eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, people saw that fucker. I don't know if the second one made. I want to say five hundred million dollars. Which is still like really good. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Well, you say both. Oh. I got I got three films on my list here. Oh, because I am I'm going back to the classic. Oh, oh wow, fair enough, fair enough. Sleeping Beauty, Jack. We'll start with you. The original Disney animated Sleeping Beauty. What do you reckon? Just getting Blade Two up to, to make sure. <laughs> uh, Blade, Very two, Blade Two is fifty-seven percent. It needs to be lower than Blade Two. What oh, the what? original Disney yes. one? Yes. What, sorry, you think the original Sleeping Beauty? Oh, sorry, we're starting with Sleeping Beauty. Sorry, yes, sorry, yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah. sorry, the original. I thought you meant Maleficent. Um, oh, that's going to be high, surely. Um, original Sleeping Beauty. I will go eighty-nine, please, Tim. Matthew, oh, it's, it's got to be higher than that. Who doesn't like yeah. Sleeping Beauty, right? It's it's, it's not only like... But how many reviews are there of a 60-year-old movie? Yeah, at the time, it would have been very well-received because of the visuals. I, I imagine if anything's knock it down, it's douchebags saying, well, actually, as a hand-drawn animation, it's quite ropey in places, and obvious, it's very problematic of the story. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's dancing with an owl and a cape. That's silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, not realistic enough. <laughs> not funny. Not funny. Um, I'm going to say 95. Fair enough. Matt. Hello. The first of the Maleficent films. What do you think? Let me remind you, Blade 2 is 57%. Yeah. <laughs> it's my benchmark. It's, I think it's going to end up with people saying, well, I don't really like this. It's very good, but it's doing an interesting... Basically, what I did, because I, I think mm. I gave it... It would have given it about 3 out of 5. I'm worried it's going to be a bunch of those 3 out of 5. I'm going to say 64%. Mm. Not Remi- high, but not... Reminder, ladies and gentlemen, Rotten Tomatoes is, of course... Percentage flawed. flawed, very much flawed. <laughs> Sometimes the wrong movie <laughs> is attributed <laughs> because. Did we have that in the X Files episode? Yes, we did. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really don't like this this follow up to the X Files movie. Like, wait, what? That's reviewed <laughs> the first X Files. Oh no, he's reviewing the second one. They've attributed the first one, and then gave it a three out of five anyway. And they gave it a three out of five anyway. Yeah, my worry is that everyone will give it a three out of five because yeah, it's fine. And to Rotten Tomatoes, three out of five is the positive review that contributes towards that percentage. Yeah, yeah. So you won't actively hate it. 
Yeah. I'm going to go slightly lower because I can't have it be higher than Blade 2. Definitely have the second one being higher than Blade 2. That's a travesty. I'll go the same. I'll go 57% the same as Blade 2. Say, I'm going to go the same as Matt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 57 the first one, please. And the second one, Jack. Lower. Mistress of Evil. Lower. Mistress of Evil. I'll drop it 20. I'll go 37, please. Again, I think some people will be like, eh, it's more of the same. Yeah, I, I actually am inclined to I like Angelina Jolie. I like the character. Yeah. It looked nice, all that bollocks. I think <laughs> mid-30s sounds about right for this because it was just a bit more hollow. Mm. Didn't have much of the impact for the statement of being made in the first film. Mm. Oh, I will say, because of the nature of the direction, there was more set building stuff. So it looked better at times. Yeah. So there's that. Mm. But I don't think that would be what people were talking about. They'd usually grade it on the story of which it's like, Ugh. so let's say lower, let's say 31. Okay. Let me do some tabulation here. Please. <laughs> Did they independently of each other? I know, I know. I think it's we grew up in like 90s cartoons. <laughs> Typing on our little calculator. Yeah. Okay. It's a clean sweep. Oh. I don't think I've got this one. I think it's going to jack. Jack, you'll be pleased to know that both of the Maleficent films are below Blade. Yes. Oh, wow. Thank God for that. Wow. Let's start with Sleeping Beauty. Mm, yes. Yeah. Jack, you said 89%. I did. Mm. Matt, you said 95 I did, yeah. Jack, you got it spot on. Oh, wow. Oh, I'll wow. I'll take that. No, 80, I don't like that. 89%, 80% on the audience score. Huh. What the fuck? Who rates that less than a three out of five? Well, the audience score is an aggregate score, isn't it? No, it's the same. No, it's oh, the same, is it the same? Same bullshit. Same, oh. same scoring. We're on yeah. the same. Again, is it the whole, it's old. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that, yeah. Yeah. How many reviews are for the, uh, critic reviews are firstly? Uh, I don't have that number in front of me. Fair enough. Yeah, that's going to be a really tricky one to gauge of like, is it people at the time who were sort of sick of Disney things or not and cynicism and blah, blah, blah. Is yeah. it contemporary reviews? There's a lot going in. As we always note, is bullshit. And often. <laughs> Sometimes it's the wrong movie. Yep. Sometimes people, yeah. a lot of the time, people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So. Yep. But it's fun nonetheless. It's, it gives us an impression of general consensus and mm -hmm. opinions. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> so, Maleficent. Mm. Jack, you said 57. Uh -huh. Matt, you said 64. True. 54. Oh. Wow. Okay. Oh, pretty close. Okay. Audience score. 70%. Uh, that's, oh. that, yeah, that makes more sense. Again, I don't think people are giving this lesson. It's that three out of five cutoff point that is so key to so many of these mm -hmm, things we talk mm -hmm. about. You get that like, I mean, it's all right. Three out of five, 60%, six out of 10. Yeah. That is that perfect cutoff point of positive negative review mm -hmm. where it's like, yeah. Yeah, and I bet it's critics saying, why would you do this? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Finally, Mistress of Evil. Jack, you said 37. I did. Matt, you said 31. Did. 39. Oh, I was really close. close. That's yeah. too high. Yeah. yeah. Hold on to your... Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your horns. Audience score, 95%. off the shit. What the shit? Yeah. What the, what the shit? Is it just reviewed by all of Angelina okay. and Jolie's family? <laughs> <laughs> Higher than both Maleficent and Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, what the shit? Phoenix fans. I'm going to look up these numbers a sec because I need to know how That's many insane. how many people. Uh, so Mistress of Evil can confirm Tim num Tim's numbers are correct. More than 10,000 reviews. 95%. Uh, critic reviews are 256 on Mistress of Evil. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, That's, That's crazy. There's 275 reviews and again 100,000 plus reviews for the 70% audience score. 
Sleeping Beauty is the one I'm most interested in. How many? Not from 2016, not from 2010, not 1992, not 1987. Fuck me. It's hard to find Sleeping Beauty on here. 1959, yeah. I, I know. See, see I how the uh, Richard Pryor erotic mystery one did. <laughs> ah! There's a little one for you, patrons. Uh, 1959, 89%. Here we go. 46 reviews. So that's yeah. two of them. Yeah, two or three of them are negative, basically. Mm. Which kind of makes sense. And how many audience reviews? Uh, 250,000 plus. So yeah. A lot. Wow. And still only still 80%. Still only 80%. Yeah. Again, that's people very being interesting. Argumentative. I'm not saying it's not problematic. I'm not saying it mm. isn't a story like where... But it definitely deserves more than fucking Maleficent yeah. Mistress of Evil. Yeah. 90. That's, that's, that's one, of, that's that's one of the weirdest scores we've ever had, I think. Yeah. I know we've had some pretty fucking controversial moments where we all go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but like 95 <laughs> That's is, up there with them. That's crazy. That's, that's big fucking numbers for a terrible piece of shit sequel. Speaking of which... I'm going to fix it. Yeah, Matt, it's your turn to... Uh, yeah. Good luck. It's my last pitch of the season. Mm. Go up with a bang. Oh. No, I'm not even... Oh. I've, <laughs> just, I've, I've, I've just made a, a Maleficent 2. Um, I mean, good. I've I've continued with the uh, some would say flaws of the first film, just picking up where things left off, and made a thing that I think Disney would make that would be a better story with an interesting moral conundrum. I think so. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. I'm gonna start with the title because it's really hard to title a Maleficent film. The Mister of it, you can't do worse than Mistress of Evil, considering <laughs> she's proven good from the first one. And as you mentioned earlier, Tim, the first one was already called that in some countries yes, anyway. Yes. So yeah. You literally can't do any worse. And also, she doesn't really do anything evil in this. She's not evil. No, it doesn't make no. any sense, no. She is thoroughly the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, this is called Maleficent 2, as in I.I. Roman of course. 2, because yeah. being classy. Horns. Uh, marketing with the horns being the two. No, I'd rather not. Okay. Um, <laughs> Maleficent 2. It's money on the table. You're missing out, mate. Don't need it. Maleficent 2, Little Secrets. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. I was going to call it Beastie. <laughs> Hello, it would, get, it would get confused with Beastly, the terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, good point. Alex Pettifer, Beauty yeah. and the Beast, modern day no, Twilight. Yeah. No, rip-off. thank you. Good lord. Um, I will be releasing this in 2016. 2016, so two years after the first one. Correct. Interesting, because that's why, a normal turnaround for these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the reasons that the role of Prince Philip was recast with scheduling shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why yeah. we have a new Philip? I mean, they're both quite really like, yeah, because he's got nothing for them to do. I mean, he yeah. turns up at the end of the film, does the kiss that doesn't work. Fuck it off. Fine. The Prince Philip in the sequel, I don't mind elements of it. The performance is oh, okay. I think he's terrible in the second one. Just in the sense of like, he genuinely seems to like Aurora. That's nice. <laughs> he just doesn't have Disney Prince energy. He I don't doesn't. think. He looks like someone you. He just looks like the work experience kid who's ah. lucked into getting a job on the set. And, yeah, and that's fair. Marrying a princess. Yeah. yeah. Which again does sound like medieval, you know. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Right. I'll go through my cast and go to my director. Returning cast, Maleficent, Angelina Jolie. Aurora, Elle Fanning. Diaval, Sam Riley. Prince Philip, Brenton Thwaites. Cool. Okay, yeah. So far, sense. so good. Yep. Not bringing the fairies back. I mean, they're back. I don't give a fuck yeah. about them. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the Pixies are back, but I don't utilize them much because I think they're pointless. But they're in here. I mentioned them a few times doing stuff. New cast. Jemima, played by Julie Walters. Oh, okay. People will know her from Harry Potter and Arguably Brave and Paddington 1 and 2 and Mamma Mia 2 and that kind of stuff. So, mm. yeah. But she she's the, the Weasley mother. Yes. Yeah. 
pernicious <coughs> Kristen Scott Thomas. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, okay. She's most known for the English patient. Uh, has been in Noah Boy, Only God Forgives at this point. Goes on to be in The Party, Darkest Hour, uh, Tomb Raider, weirdly enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Malign, Bruno Gantz. You love I Bruno Gantz. Fucking Bruno love Gantz. some Bruno Gantz. Uh, who is in the reader? Remember Heidi? The party, oddly enough, with Kristen Scott Thomas. Huh. The house that Jack built. Um, that's my cast. Oh, he's in your house, Jack. But I did leave my house, Bruno. Gave you it built life. it for him. <laughs> oh, I built. I built it for him. You oh, you you're yourself, welcome, you? Bruno. The house that Jack built for himself. The house that Jack Selfish. built for Bruno Gantz. He's an old. Well, he's dead now, I think. But he's an old man. He is, yeah. He died a couple of years ago. So you yes. couldn't do it in 2019 because he died in 2019. So. The only reason I shifted things around was to make sure Bruno Gantz <laughs> was alive. Your favorite, everybody's favorite Swiss actor. Yeah. He's fucking great. Director, Jennifer Kent. Oh. Ooh. The Babadook. The Babadook. Right, yes. And traumatic ass, The Nightingale. Uh, ooh, what's The Nightingale? I don't oh, know. That. I don't know this. So Jennifer Kent is a very, very good Australian director. And the Babadook is a really good. Horror I like film. the Babadook a lot. Yeah. It, again, not a horror fan. If you've listened to the show before, yeah, I, but I really like the Babadook. It is one of those interesting. Classic, uh, yeah. I mean, what what a lot of pretentious wanker sense. You know, new horror or high horror, whatever you want to call Elevated it. Horror. Elevated horror. Yeah, Elevated, yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. That shit. But it's just a really good horror. Escalated film. horror. Stairs horror. <laughs> Stairmaster horror. <laughs> Stairmaster. But she goes on to do a film called The Nightingale, and it is really good. It's 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 on Netflix. And it's filmed in 4.3. And unlike Justice League, it makes sense that it's in 4.3. To protect the creative vision of the director. Correct. Yeah. And she does that in 2018. So there's still time for her to do this. Go oh, okay. And I'm going to go do the night. Babadook is 2012, I want to say. Something like that. 2014, maybe 2014. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but the point is that. Um, yes, 2014 for the Babadook. Yeah. Uh, it's. Um, Ashling Franciosi and Sam Claflin and a bunch of other people, and it's really traumatizing. The Nightingale is a fantastic movie, but fuck me, it's traumatizing and long as balls. Um, it's about an uh, in Australia, in one of the territories, an Irish family who this overbearing English captain or corporal, whatever it is, rapes repeatedly, and she goes on and basically a bit of a fucking ice bit on the grave murder thing, nice. where she's going across Australia trying to find this guy and re revenge on him for this mm. outrage and it's it's really brutal but really good but she's a really good director and i think if you're going to do a story following up maleficent with this strong you know central female presence that's going into really dark mm. things get someone who can do that really fucking well yep. yeah so it's not just sense. on yeah. the shoulders of one actor yeah make the whole film about it so in the way that we're going from more a bit of a bit more of a dark visual we're going a little bit more snow white and huntsman we're going a little bit mm. more but still, you know, still family-friendly PG-12 bullshit. There's not suddenly going to be blood everywhere. and No, yeah. no, 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 not at all. More or less genocide is my question, man. Uh, we've, we've got some genocide. Oh, going. nice. Okay, it's pretty, thank God for that. Got a lot of stuff going on. So that's that's the idea behind the film um, and what we're going, who's in it. It's, it's, um, I'm I won't intrigued. say anything else. I'm intrigued. Yeah. We'll mm. see what you guys... Consider me intrigued. Okay. I was going to say that I've taken the framework of Maleficent, and as has been pointed out, you can go anywhere from here problems you don't really need to or want to and it's the sense of well you're gonna have to continue certain themes hopefully i mean again i i don't think i retread the exact same story the exact same arcs again i think i further them to the like yeah you don't get a happen if you are subverting the fairy tale structure you have to piss on happily ever after <laughs> you have to say the whole yeah. like, this is not going to be just like a everything is fine now problem solved it's like no 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 this is a long road to 
all this sort of we stuff. didn't even touch on the ending of mistress of evil which is i thought was straight up a dream sequence at one point oh and then it goes on and on and then it ends because it is like the most super happy clappy clean cut nicest possible happily ever after <laughs> ending in the history of the world again after the darkness of the first one and fucking genocide about an hour ago they're all just like and the world is saved and the kingdoms are all united and everything's perfect and they all get married and everything's lovely yeah even though they release some of those people from the chapel a lot of them are dead yeah 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 but everything's fine and perfect and disney and everything's fine solved yeah i'm interested to go in a, a, a darker path here Matt. i go i we'll see what we think here we go so here's my pitch for maleficent 2 little secrets the story opens as aurora is ruling over the moors with maleficent enjoying a sort of early retirement because she's protector of the Moors, but she's like, I don't think I need to do anything anymore. Yeah, fair. Aurora talks with her godmother about what it means to rule just as Diaval arrives with a morning report. Aurora goes over the briefing extremely well, impressing Maleficent, because we show that she has actual fucking agency. That she knows that. what the fuck she's doing as a ruler. <laughs> so so oh, she, has, she has more agency by sentence three in your pitch <laughs> yes. than she did in two fucking four hours of movie yeah. basically never crossed two well two I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember because they have a bit with her like being the ruler at the very beginning of mistress and they do tim and i can't remember it's some fucking nonsense they're talking about but i can't remember what it around is. With the crown a long time ago. yeah they do they do a lot of terrible physical comedy with the yes, crown. they do which is where the hedgehog comes yeah. in yeah i should point out that as much as i'm uh starting this off i do make a bit of a fucking choice <laughs> you go to 1923 and 1953 and 2013 oh no <laughs> and 1993 god i was so confused the young queen asks how maleficent was taught how to rule which eventually leads to a discussion about parents when pressed maleficent repeats that she what she told stefan in the first film that her parents are dead because of this whole like stefan's like oh i'm an orphan and she goes me mm. too and it's like oh yeah huh. yeah interesting this is never brought up again mm. The three pixies rudely interrupt with discussions of wedding plans, but Aurora dismisses them. And then you get the, you know, hijinks and japery and all that bullshit. Yep. Maleficent and Aurora discuss that the pending union will officially bring the kingdoms together. But in truth, neither seem into it. Apparently, Philip is still somewhat bitter over the true love's kiss incident. (laughs) Because he's a fragile boy. That makes sense. Fragile masculinity and all that. Mm -hmm. Maleficent says something sassy and the pair laugh. Because, (laughs) you know. If that isn't the rest of this pitch. What a weak little man. (laughs) You fucking bitch, I'll kill you. He has now developed a South African accent. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take your... That's a bit Scottish. Yeah, you actually went. They're in solid complex actual characters. That was, yeah, yeah, the 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 Copley Scottish African accent. I'll take your wings. (laughs) All the willy. Basically what that is. Yeah. A great feast is held for the upcoming nuptials. Representatives from the Moors and the Human Kingdom are present. Naturally, while the event is going well, there is an air of unease as the two disparate worlds are brought together. Thankfully, any real animosity is offset by the presence of Aurora and Philip. The great meal is served, with Diaval complaining about the main being roast birds, <laughs> for which the castle staff apologise profusely. So it's not in stage you're like, oh, sorry, we did, we just didn't think. It's like, yeah, because you're a man. It's like, yeah, but I used to be a bird. I am a bird, kind of. It's like. Oh, yeah. sorry. We, we tried to make all the necessary I'm also a dragon kind yeah. of. It's, yeah, it's the sort of like, um, I, can't, I can't eat that. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm lactose intolerant. It's like, oh shit, I didn't I'm so sorry. It's, yeah. it's just, uh, yeah. Which is a joke they have in Mistress of Evil as well. Yeah, but, this is, but that was intentional. Yes. Because, you know, English yes, is an was, arsehole. It was, a, it was a, uh, a fucking dig. Yeah. And that's what I just wanted to get this in here now because so much of the first one's about misunderstandings. I brought mm. some of that back into here as well mm. in this sequel, but I wanted to keep that joke because I'm like, yeah, 
But let's make it as unintentional, like, I don't understand your culture, mm. your people, your yeah. kind, for like a better word. And it's like, I apologize. That's entirely our fault. Yep. Key difference. Yep. Uh, but when the time to eat arrives, Aurora is unable, noting that her cutlery burns. Ooh. Philip doesn't understand, but Maleficent realizes it's, it is made of iron. While efforts have been made to source different cutlery for the more folk, the same was not extended to Aurora because it had never been necessary before. So again, they're making the compromise. Like, oh, we know you guys can't eat with iron. Mm. That's fine. We'll have a, an alternative. And it's like, well, why would we need that for Aurora? Yeah. Interesting. I was about to ask a question, but I assume this is where we're going in this movie. So Maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> if you just drop that in there and never touch on it again, and be like, oh, yeah. I and just, the cutlery burns. I told anyway, you some Anyway. I start and stop. Yeah. No, yeah. During a chaotic wedding preparation scene, Aurora is hampered by the pixies. Uh, fucking pixies. Yeah, who are trying to help with the bridal gown, but their fighting and bumbling start to overwhelm Aurora, who eventually passes out, falls off a railing and dies. That's the end. There you go. End of movie. No. Um, <laughs> Told you, I'll make a choice. <laughs> the palace healer is unable to diagnose the issue, but Maleficent explains that since she was afflicted by such a powerful curse, one that no one thought would ever truly be broken... Magic has taken root in her body. Here we go. That's interesting. Yep. Philip and Maleficent begin arguing with the prince insisting that the fairy do whatever she can to get rid of the magic. Maleficent, however, believes she must keep the powers despite the consequences, and she can simply teach Aurora how to use them. Philip says that Maleficent has no idea how this will affect Aurora, but the two eventually stop fighting when Aurora comes too. Weak and tired, she asks them to put aside their differences. Yeah, because that's a fucking thing that Mistress of Evil does, is they have a whole thing about how the king gets stabbed with the, the spindle from the first film, which is what gives him the curse yeah. that falls asleep, um, just like Aurora did. And then at the end, they like bring it out. The fucking Lickspittle brings it out and is like, yes. oh, curses aren't ended. They're broken. And Maleficent goes, ah, undo the curse. And the king wakes up again. The whole point of the first film is that she undo can't it. undo that curse. Yeah. yeah. I suppose also it's a weird thing that there's like, oh, if you use the spindle, the curse will happen again. It's like, no, because it wasn't that specific spindle. It was her on her 16th yes. birthday. That should be doing nothing. It's, it's Yeah, it's a curse on her. Yes. Not anyone else and no. not on any specific spindle. It's any needle on a spindle yeah. would get her in the coma. Yeah. Why oh. it doesn't work? Doesn't work. Second so why, so why I didn't bring movie. up in the in the pictures? Like, I'm, or the synopsis? Like, Good. I'm going to cover it. It doesn't yeah. work. I'm just going to say she evil. Yeah. That night, Aurora has a nightmarish dream wherein she is turned into a winged tr creature hunted by Philip. Oh. Terrified, but still quite feeble. She <laughs> sounds like a, such an insulting sentence. <laughs> She's quite feeble. Terrified, but still quite feeble. She creeps out of her bed and rides a horse into the night. From atop the battlements, Diavar watches. Crying, she flicks the reins, urging the horse onward through the deep woodland. Her eyes flooded with tears. Aurora doesn't notice a low-hanging branch in the road and is knocked from the horse as it canters off into the woods. Classic, you know, dark fairy tale shit. Mm -hmm. I'm sad. I'm running away. Oh God, now I'm alone. Blah, blah, blah. Woozy, she stumbles around before being drawn to a cottage. Entering the small home, she warms herself by the fire. The door slams behind her and an old woman asks who her invited guest is. Aurora is afraid at first before openly introducing herself as Queen of the Moors. Mm. The woman states her name is Jemima and bows. She says the title of Queen means little to her, but she can sense the magic presence growing inside the young lady, which she fully respects. Jemima and Aurora discuss the potential pros and cons of a magical life before Aurora asks if there is any way to reverse the process. Jemima admits these abilities were born of a powerful enchantment and it would be extremely dangerous, advising Aurora to speak with the one who cast the spell. 
The Queen admits that Maleficent wouldn't understand and would take it badly. It's better if the powers simply disappear and she can pretend she lost them. Jemima understands and mixes up a potion. Diaval appears in the window just in time to see Aurora cough and splutter, dropping her cup. She runs outside, gasping for air before freezing in place, her body turned to stone in the moonlight. Jemima, shocked, quickly packs a bag and absconds into the night. So, I see at, what you're doing here, Matthew. Uh, at the start of the film, we establish Aurora as like, you know, no, she can do her job. She's good. And both Philip and Maleficent genuinely care for her. Um, they have their own issues, but they have that central force of her. And because this isn't a, you know, a Sleeping Beauty Aurora film, it's a Maleficent film, I'm, I'm stoning her. As in petrifying a tennis stone. <laughs> Not having her stone Getting together. her stone. <laughs> the following morning, Philip is searching the castle for Aurora, eventually mounting a search party to pursue the horse tracks from the night before. The prince and his troop find the cottage, and while men rush inside, Philip steps cautiously to the stone statue with its hands outstretched and back turned to him. The guards tell the prince that the home is empty, but he holds up his hands to silence them. Walking around to see the face of the statue before falling to his knees in tears. Give that fucker some things to actually As, do on screen. Yeah, yeah. Actually show emotion and stuff instead of just being a fucking wooden plank on screen. Yep. His sorrow quickly morphs to anger as Philip says, this is what happens when magic enters your life. Meanwhile at the castle, Diaval returns to Maleficent and conveys what has happened. Maleficent is furious and with a description and direction, takes flight. Philip sees Maleficent fly overhead, saying, see how the villain flees the scene of the crime? He rants further before vowing to rid the kingdom of all magic. Philip's the bad guy. Well, I, I thought about the idea that he, again, genuinely likes Aurora. There's a genuine connection in people like, you know, there's uncomfortable nature of uh, the Moor magical folk. And <laughs> the Moors. The Moors and the, and the humans. It's like, no, no, but these two are a sort of combination of both, even though that's not the case at all, but it sort of becomes that way sort of thing. So he's very misguided and things. And also, cause let's say he's so undeveloped in the first film. We could do what we want. Mm, with him, yep. we? Yeah. He's a blank slate. Yes. Very much. From so. an acting perspective and from a character growth perspective. <laughs> so if, as Philip returns to the castle, he immediately has the over inquisitive pixies arrested. I mean, good. Yeah, finally, Get them out of the way of the story. He then announces to his guests that Aurora is dead and Maleficent is to blame, placing yet another curse on the young queen. He was wrong to trust magic folk and the creatures of the moors will be henceforth banned on pain of incarceration. Not a gas chamber, just mm -hmm. arrested. Okay. One of the creatures tries to defend their case, saying it must be a misunderstanding, because uh, misunderstandings, before one nervous guard gets a little too trigger happy, sending a crossbow bolt into the creature's shoulder. Panic ensues and a fight breaks out before the creatures escape the castle grounds. So again, it's that classic like two very different worlds. Mm. There's genuine need to come together. People yeah. feel it, but there's so much history and animosity it's like it's really hard not to bring this into preconceived stuff it isn't long before maleficent is able to catch up with jemima and she berates the witch asking if she has any last words before she is torn to pieces jemima defiantly says this is in fact maleficent's fault which serves to only enrage the fairy jemima explains that if she had listened and helped aurora from the start her fey magic would have been able to assist better than any witch's potion now the combination may be fatal. Maleficent realises there may be some truth to this and is hurt and embarrassed that Aurora didn't feel she could talk to her. Jemima, maybe overstepping the mark, reminds Maleficent that she did curse Aurora before. She might be hard to trust. The two discuss the contents of the potion, but Maleficent admits she does not know how to reverse this effect. She would need to consult with someone else. With that, she launches into the sky and flies away. 
So I, t- I deliberately take her out of the story and say what Mistress of Evil does, but I do it because she's doing something. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not just waiting for Chiwetel Ejiofor to die. Yeah. Yeah. Deep in the moors. Moors. Deep in the moors, the magical beings argue about what to do. Diaval arrives and says that Maleficent is not responsible, but a human witch poisoned Aurora. This revelation twists, acting as another prime example of how humans are not to be trusted. Diaval brings up serving poultry for the feast. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> and the iron cutlery before he is told about the crossbow bolt and Philip's decree of banishment. The offence runs deep through the crowd and Diaval says they will raise the most noble army to avenge Aurora, which Maleficent will head on her return. So initially he's a voice of reason saying, no, 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 this has happened. Oh. And through the nature of rabble and crowd and, yeah. and, and the sort of mob, mm. as it were, it's like, no, this happened, this happened. And he starts to go, that's a good point, actually. It, and then, and then mm. it almost becomes a game of telephone where it's like, oh, like yes. going through yes. and being like, well, they, they said this and the humans did this and they mm. did this. They cooked us alive and ate us. Like goes yeah. from like they served birds as meals yeah. to like they ate the fairies and it all gets out. Entirely. Yeah, they're incarcerated. Who knows what's happened to them? They're right. probably dead. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And also the fact that it's like the idea of a witch is a human person who is meddling in something that's magic. It's like, that's not for you. And then, mm. which is again, another thing on the magic side, like, well, why not? Yeah. If you want people to be like more, you know, understanding of this thing, it's like, shouldn't you be happy with this? No, because it's our thing. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. So there's, yeah. there's all that kind of, you know, misunderstandings. Yep. At the same time, we are shown Philip igniting the castle's war forge. Epic metal yeah. war forge. You do get a bit of this in the Mistress of Evil. You do a little bit. And arming assistants to protect their borders, having been warned by his council that every time the more people have been challenged, they have fought back. Which is true. We see the first one. Yeah. Fought with like catapults and stuff, burning yeah. down the thorns and then the big tree monsters come up and yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's a classic tale of divided nations. It's like, it's nice that hopefully these things would come together by like a union. It's like, yeah, but the people <laughs> still have problems. Deep in the mountains, Maleficent flies to an overhang leading to a cave. Landing, she slowly and cautiously steps inside, her wings sheltering her from the winds. As she steps deep into the cave, we see what is left of a great hall, now in a state of ruin. Emblazoned on the walls are the reliefs of winged, horned fairies in the thousands. A voice calls out from the shadows, asking why Maleficent has returned after all these years. Mm. Maleficent nervously at first says she has come to ask for help. The only response she receives is a deep laugh that echoes the hall. Angry, Maleficent flaps her wings and screams to be taken seriously. Slowly stepping forward, an older woman locks eyes with the new arrival. The pair awkwardly stare at each other before Pernicious asks, Would you like to say hello to your father? Mm-hmm. Mm. At the border of the moors, a mighty army of humans and magical creatures square off. There is talk on either side of dissent, saying this isn't what Aurora would want. I like that, that even if people are like ready to charge in a battle, like, mm. why are we doing this? It's yeah. like being yeah. just so wrapped up in everything, which in 2016 feels very appropriate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Despite the protests, Diaval and Philip cannot be assuaged and ride out to meet one another. In the centre of the battlefield, the two joust verbally, explaining how they never liked one another and peace can never exist between the generations who have seen the other side's true colours. Philip says it doesn't matter and that after today, their kind will slip into mere legend and fantasy. Pernicious mm. takes Maleficent to see a waterfall-backed cove with an island at its centre. Pernicious nods her head towards a small island and Maleficent flies over. Falling at the foot of a lone tree, she starts to cry, confessing she has made mistake after mistake. Trusting Stefan, turning magical folk against humans, cursing Aurora, not helping when she had the chance... A guttural but friendly voice 
comforts the fairy, telling her that she is always headstrong and could never be talked down, and only when she had made the mistake did she learn from it. Maleficent admits she never should have left the mountain. We then see the voices, in fact, coming from the tree itself, a magical spirit named Malign, her father. Malign quietly whispers that she is very much like her mother in that regard, which causes Maleficent to laugh through her tears. Asking how she can fix all of this, the tree spirit says that the dew from the flower at the top of the tree is enough to not only break the witch's potion, but also sufficient to restore Aurora. Maleficent asks if she will still have magic inside her, but the spirit only responds, that is up to her. The war between two kingdoms is ferocious, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Despite the unity, there is still clearly unease and resentment between the factions. Dival and Philip find one another on the battlefield, with Philip knocked off his horse and Dival shifting back and forth between an armoured man and a raven, because I've decided he can do that himself now, because it's weird that he's like just, you know, a slave to like, you're going to be this now, this now. He's he, Over the years, he's... Yeah, he's to... literally enslaved by her. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, you're he, a man now. He now yeah. has the choice to go like, and and, and it's, again, the cool sort of image of him being like an armoured bloke and then a raven and then striking at one another and back and forth shifting. Yeah. yeah, It's not evident which side is winning, but it's clear it may end in the eradication of both forces. Maleficent suddenly appears to cheers from the moorfolk and te- looks of terror from the humans. Crashing to the floor in front of Dioval and Philip, everyone is floored by the shockwave. Dioval gives out a victory cry before Maleficent waves her hand and his mouth is turned into a beak, silencing him <laughs> because she's still quite yep. awful to him. <laughs> Philip raises his sword, but again, Maleficent waves her hand and roots rise from the ground and disarm him. I mean, one thing I will give Mistress of Evil, the bit where, because he talks about being a bear and then in the finale of the film, she turns him into a bear. We basically get the closest we've got yet to seeing an owl bear on the cinema this screen. This is true. Yeah, a raven bear. A raven yeah. bear. yeah. In the stillness, unsure of what is happening, the combatants listen as Maleficent explains what happened was no one's fault, that she has the ability to cure Aurora and restore the peace. But it is evident that the road to trust will be a long and difficult one, realising that the alternative is complete obliteration, both sides drop their arms. As in weapons. <laughs> Her arms just fall <laughs> off. They're all Nathan Fillion in the Suicide, suicide Squad. squad. Yeah. <laughs> The petrified Aurora is carefully brought to the castle keep with citizens of both kingdoms watching. Maleficent administers the liquid from the flower, which causes the stone to crack. Aurora bursts forth, coughing but very much alive and well. Seeing the wounded people on both sides, Aurora asks if this is her fault. Tears in her eyes, Maleficent confesses she is to blame. Philip quietly adds he too is responsible. Maleficent continues that Aurora truly is the best of both worlds and a bridge of pure innocent, and as godmother and future husband both need her but appreciate that it is a lot to ask of one young woman. Aurora smiles and says she promises to be open and forthright from now on to avoid any further altercations. So we're basically saying, you know, maybe we should have talked about this. Yeah, maybe you fucking should. Yeah, that's basically what we're saying. Yeah, again... So much of the conflict in the actual two movies is just people not talking to each other, mm-hmm. just being like, "Well, I'm gonna kill you because of this reason." It's like, you could just ask them. Well, I mean, it is classically Shakespearean, Clarifying. but yeah. you have to sell it well. Okay. Yeah. Later, the wedding is still due to take place, but there is an unease between the bride and the groom's side of the church because they're in a gas chamber. Oh shit! It's gonna get burnt down by Mel Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> the newly released pixies. Oh, for fuck's sake. Discuss this bubbling animosity and admit that this was never going to be a quick or easy fix, but as long as they are led well, the people will follow. In private, Maleficent finally sees Aurora in her wedding dress and is moved. 
Like a mother is moved. <laughs> oh, beastie, you look positively divine. That's absolutely what she was saying, yeah. I'm very... Not such a beastie anymore, eh? <laughs> I would. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Angelina Jolie. Aurora asks about Philip and if she's making the right choice. I mean, he's literally the only man you've ever met in your entire <laughs> life, so sure. Begrudgingly, Maleficent admits Philip's actions were because he didn't understand and thought he'd lost the woman he loves, which she can respect. But if he oversteps the line, she will turn him into a goat. Ah. Reference to the goat. Oh, okay. The pair laugh before Maleficent adds with a serious tone that she is deeply sorry that Aurora didn't feel comfortable enough to confide in her. Aurora says she can still feel something deep inside, but not as strongly as before. Maleficent says the magic isn't gone, but if she wants to explore its potential in future, she will support her. If she doesn't want to, that's entirely up to her, but Maleficent will still support her. The film ends with a grand and ostentatious wedding as a specially written pop song by Lana Del Rey, of course, with elements of the score, plays over the credits. Yeah. I mean, she did the uh, the she, Once Upon a Dream She does Once Upon a Dream. Exactly, film. Yeah. It's pretty good. So you've gone from rape allegory yes. to teen pregnancy and abortion allegory, right? Yes. Matt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. I, I really like it. I think it it follows up, like you said, it thematically follows the first movie so much better than Mistress of Evil does. Because you actually have Aurora and Philip doing things, that instantly makes them, obviously Aurora turns to stone, yes, but yes. she has more agency in the even the brief time she's on screen in mm. this one compared to her just dilly-dallying about, oh, isn't it all pretty? Yes. For four hours in the fucking the, the ones that actually exist, <laughs> they still baffling and hold her up as like the most pure innocent person. Well, yeah, because that's how they think of her in the first film. So of course they still think of her that way. Mm. Yeah. In this one, I, li- I like that. I like that Philip is kind of driven by his love for her as well. They've actually had some time to grow together and all that kind of stuff. I'm glad you haven't done the as, as we talked about that to yeah. the credit of Mistress of Evil. Oh, we've been married for five years. Obviously, blah blah blah. Loves. True love, mm. blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. They don't get married after meeting each other for 15 minutes, like classic <laughs> yeah. prince and princess He's also stories. a privileged prince. He's still going to be like, mm. Yeah. I about you lot. Exactly, mm. exactly. Um, yeah, I really like what you've done with with carrying on those themes and, and making it a female-directed movie, I think, is, is a key part. Mm. I think Jennifer Kent would bring some really interesting... I think she'd handle it very well. Visually interesting stuff. I know she's working with Del Toro on his upcoming, like, yeah. mystery and anthology show thing or whatever that thing's called mm. um so i can really imagine i know we we basically said like pan's labyrinth light is basically <laughs> what this is. i can imagine her doing that in a good appropriate way and bringing yeah, yeah. uh especially like the darkness of her homeland like the mountains and stuff like that with her going back and not being this weird secret society of no I, fey yeah. people mm. like i quite like the whole just the idea that she's like my parents are dead i'm like oh I don't know if it maybe it's just because reshoots, but I don't think I believe that performance. She <laughs> <laughs> just said it to be nice. Yeah. It's like, why is this child in charge of this land? It's kind yeah, of it's weird. Like 14 she year old the is the same like... as the kingdom, so I don't get it. But yes, it's it's mm. a very, yeah. I'll yeah. give a bit of a nod there. Yeah. Uh, I like that you've got the tree as a dad is a bit of a weird choice. Magic in it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how it just... <laughs> Evil dead. There's a bunch of people that are made of trees in the, the actual films. Yeah. And they kind of just don't address that no they speak a different language that she speaks for some reason and she, it's yeah a whole she doesn't thing. speak it back to them no no she speaks very broad english back at them mm-hmm. and they're like <laughs> and do their little, i understand you 
Uh, no, I understand you. I understand <laughs> you. But I refuse to speak your language. Yeah, exactly. I'll just talk loudly. I like a classic, uh, classic English people. Yeah. We, we'd speak to people who don't speak our language <laughs> just in English and slower. There yeah. you go. It's it's uh, droids in uh, Star Wars. Yes, it is. <laughs> Everybody understands droids. No one speaks droid back to droids. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, no, uh, it, it, if you think more like the Disney Pocahontas where the tree is her sort of godmother there's like just a, a yeah. face in a tree it's like that's weird it's like yeah mm. that's i mean to to go back to the del toro it's like the um the fey in uh golden army who turn yeah. into yes. trees when Very they die so. yes yeah, yeah. i tree, think it, it would be the yeah that he is evolving into a tree in the same way like vampires tend to evolve into mm. a more and again the del toro universe sort of yeah. stuff like with blade and things you start off as this beautiful young creature, then you become more mm. animalistic over time. To go back to Game of Thrones, it's a bit uh, the three-eyed crow. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Three-eyed raven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. And in fact, if, if we hadn't already got Bruno Gantz in there, Max von Sydow would be a good choice as well. Good he's choice he's for got that. Just a nice old man with nice yeah. voice. Yeah. Good, mm. old, yeah. good old voice, good old man. Also <laughs> good old tree. Like, I would have it that it'd be a European actor, uh, as in mainland Europe, and uh, Chris and Scott Thomas being again, it was one of the moments when <laughs> casting extremely British, extremely British. <laughs> Maybe it'll help elevate Jolie's voice a bit. I'm like, ah, that's why you talk that way because that's your mum. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would have liked more with the parents. Yeah, Agreed. and yeah. more yeah. of a you do the kind of thing of like, oh, you've got to go get this thing off the top of a mountain. We don't really kind of see that. You a need bit that more Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins journey up a mountain. Yeah, just a bit, a bit more. Because that's then a chance to explore her past a bit, either explore the relationship with the parents or have her. I wonder if you could do flashbacks of... back to teen, yeah, the, like young, much younger Melissa. I could definitely do that. Exploring yeah. that mountain and being like, oh, I remember this was the first flower I remember yeah. seeing when I was a kid on this mountain and all this kind of yeah. stuff. And yeah, yeah, I think likewise. And again, this is just a function of like we aim to keep the. Synopsis yes, fairly, yes. you know, brief and and not make the pitches run on forever. I think I would have liked a bit more of Aurora, like the magic slowly emerging from her. And oh, visually and stuff, yes. Visually and just it gives us a chance to see Philip react to it to get their relationship a bit more explored. Like, and I think you can lean yeah. into that teen pregnancy abortion mm. kind of theme as well with him being like. Oh, I don't know. Do you feel like you're ready for this? I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if we're ready for this. And is he talking about the wedding? Is he talking mm. about the magic? Or is he talking mm. about them having a baby? Yeah, yeah, like this whole yeah. thing. Like there's a few different levels you can play with. I think we can definitely well. put that in there. That's not going to be yeah, a that's, hard fix. It, that, yeah. that very easily slots into the film that you've got yeah. pitched there. It's not taking it really in any different directions. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's easy um, to do. I think. Yeah, I approve of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I thought. I thought it was really good. I think that the, like Jack has said, like the the. Uh, slight switching up of the themes but keeping to the stuff the the touching on the kind of the, the fragile relationship between the two kingdoms that could so easily fall back into war and how much work that takes to maintain yeah i think you know it, it doesn't nobody in it feels like a cartoon villain um yes. which is the problem yes. with michelle pfeiffer's character is it just yeah. it's so broad the second she has film. an underground mad scientist laboratory yeah literally an evil lair like yeah, yeah. the fuck yeah, See, Charlton Copley in the first film is clearly a villain. Yeah, he is yeah. black and white villain because because they're 
they resolve the issue and like, mm. oh yeah, Aurora's back to life and mm. everything's fine, right? And he goes, and I still need to kill you. And it's like, mm, okay, yeah. great. Like, because yeah. he's consumed. Mm. Yes, there's that moment. He's gone mad, like you said to him earlier. Mm. He's talking to her wings and going all crazy and mm. stuff. And I thought, like, oh, they've actually resolved it. Like the the love kiss and love la mm. love of a mother and all that mm. stuff. Yeah. And then he goes fuck you, I'm still fighting you, get the iron out. And I was like, oh, okay, this is where we're yeah. going with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, in the first film, it would have been nice, like, they basically go like, oh, you know, he's, they, um, they, him and Maleficent grow up together, he visits her, they're friends, he gives, you know, he kisses her and says he's their, their true love. And then he just kind of goes back to the human kingdom and the next time we see him, he's like a loyal servant of the king and wants to you know be the king wants to be the king is willing to do anything like to do that and it's like we get one line at the start where he's like one day i'll live in the castle it's like where do you live at the moment in a barn yeah and and that's oh you're a farmer's boy or something that's all the explanation we get for like why he would be so ambitious and why that would like corrupt him so But you don't see the corruption. He just comes back as an he just, asshole. He just, like, oh, comes, shit. he just comes back as a horrible asshole. Again, there's yeah. a one line of like, he disappeared for a while and was corrupted by the temptations of man. Yeah. Anyway, 20 years later. Like, yes. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. Okay. We're just, just breezing past all that. So yeah. sort of getting the idea of like, Philip, because again, the nature, you see it mm. together when Philip and Aurora get a, Aurora is good for Philip. Mm. Yeah. Not saying that that's the reason for them to be together, but that's like, you know, it's also the sense that he is still this flawed human, almost Lord of the Rings style about the Mm. idea that Aragorn toys with the fact that like, you know, in my bloodline are very weak men. Mm. And it's very possible I could get so swept up in this. I do the worst things like, yeah, Mm. I mean, I I appreciate that you did this because you love this woman, but you did some awful shit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's the, that's why that we we play it off as sassy, quiet moments. It's like, Mm. it's almost like Maleficent saying, you know, Oh, if it does anything, I'll turn into a goat. It's like, yeah, be wary because you're not making the wrong choice because in this sort of, world Disney world yeah. yeah you're a queen of the moors he's the mm. king of the thing it reunites the realm it's good for mm. everybody you're a good example mm. you're an enigmatic leader but also just keep a fucking eye on him it, yeah it try it strikes a good balance between the kind of like what marriage was like back then which was more of a political reality especially yes. for the nobility and the like oh i'm you know uh, true love is all that's important it's like yeah they're it's sort of saying like he's a decent guy and he clearly cares for you and also this will unite the kingdom so you know put up yeah. put up with his flaws like keep an eye out for them make him better make, yeah you, have have to, you can you can fix have, him you can um you have an all-powerful fairy godmother there just to turn him into a goat just in case yes yeah, yeah. yeah. That, safety that's net the, there Jay, i was gonna say what i would have in there i forgot to write it in such because again pitch time length when he sees the um when philip sees the petrified aurora doing lots of teary crying for the, and then getting up after he's off his knees and trying to kiss the statue, hoping it's going to break the spell. And even uh, now, it's like, all like sh- it's even now. It's like, well, that doesn't fix everything. It's not a cure-all, yeah, yeah. but he seems to think, um, no, I've got to prove my love for that yeah. kind of, you know. And it's a very awkward moment where he starts like one kiss on the lips and then just starts... <laughs> <laughs> just tongue in the statue open for the... Crying and snogging the statue. And we should give the prince a minute. Uh, and yeah, all the men are like, Prince Philip the... <clears throat> oh my! <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go and check the heart or something. <laughs> <laughs> True love's kisses the seed. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think like tying in the the escalation war to kind of his insecurities and stuff is yes is a really interesting way of doing it. Um, Which again, the way that Kent does the Nightingale with Sam Claflin mm. as this figure of authority, um, is it police, police captain, and how he rules over the Aboriginal 
uh, indigenous people of, of Australia and mm. the Irish and everyone else has been there. It's mm. like, no, 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 no. I'm in charge. I'm very weak and insecure. But at the same time, I'm going to abuse everybody here. And I'm very, very, you know, he gets reassigned because the um, I can, a, a commanding officer says, the fuck is going on here? Oh, well, I was uh, I was just looking over how this... No, 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 you utter psychopath. You cannot rule like you're the fucking king. You're not out here on your own. You're, you know, the queen's constable, as it were. And he's like, okay, get the fuck... It, report in here, you piece of shit. Mm. And the way that Claflin is portrayed... if I Again, if I had to, I would put Claflin in this film, but obviously that's not going to work out that way and it wouldn't be weird kind of thing and it doesn't work. I don't need to recast this guy. I just can, I know that Kent can bring out a really interesting performance which makes this person in, in The Nightingale very unsympathetic, a real bastard that you want to see suffer. But in this film, sympathetic to the degree that it's like, yeah, I see why he did it. He definitely shouldn't have. I Yeah, I t- totally agree. Coming back to the title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Little Secrets works, again, tying it's into the kind fine. of teen pregnancy kind of thing and uh, all that yes. kind of stuff. I was thinking, you mentioned like best of both worlds. That's a terrible subtitle. But something along Chicks those lines. With dicks. Very, very. No. <laughs> What's that? That's from uh, South Park, I think. Yeah. No, it's Clerks. It's Clerks. That's mm. what it is. Thank you. Of course, yes, it's, of course it it's from Clerks. But like, something along those lines, like a child of two worlds or something like yeah, that. It's I, very I Disney esque yeah. kind of thing. I just Googled a child of two worlds. I was like, do I recognize? There's something I recognized. There is a sci fi book called Aurora. A Child of Two Worlds, <laughs> oh, wow. which is not a Sleeping Beauty reference. I'll read you the synopsis now. This is on the Oxfam website, so you know it's good. <laughs> who was the mysterious stranger who helped injured Londoners during the Blitz and then vanished? I'm like, what the fuck is this? Captain <laughs> America. Yeah. So uh, I think, like, a, yeah, A Child of Two Worlds. <sighs> something of that line is yeah, good. Some, yeah. Something of, uh, so, something of the something. Like a... a yeah. Best of both worlds, child of two worlds, best of two worlds, mm. something like that. I think we'll mm. play hybrid beastie, <laughs> the magical beastie, Mister and Mrs. Beastie, Maleficent two worlds. Ah. I don't like that at all. But you know what I mean? And the horn Maleficent like... hybrid theory. Oh. Oh. No, no, no. All yeah, soundtrack no, is done by Linkin Park. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. No, this thing, a little secret. I think is perfectly fine as a title, but I don't necessarily like love it. And yeah. it's really hard to think of something like what can I do here? Because again, given the uh, usual formatting of these Disney live action things, it's either go back to the original story, which doesn't help mm. me at all here, or, you know, botch it basically. So I thought, well, yeah. little secret, it works, but it's like, yeah, but it's not, it doesn't grab me the way I want it to. I, I really, mm. I, I really struggle with this title. So I, I think you're right, Jack. It's like, that's a good idea. And it, what are we going to do? I'm like, because when, when, when I nearly interrupted the pitch, and I thought, I'll say this really, and when you said the best of both worlds, I was like, that is the vibe I think it needs to be. Yeah. But the best of both is bread, not a Disney movie. 50-50 <laughs> bread. Yeah, I, I can't, we can't be doing white. Maleficent Hovis 50-50. Like, <laughs> we can't be doing that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think something along those lines would make sense. I'm thinking of it from like a marketing Disney kind of, kind of perspective. But yeah. uh, do we lean into the abortion pregnancy thing even more and tease them consummating their marriage at the end and all that kind of stuff? Maybe that's a bit too on the nose. Maybe that's like passing on the magic to her child or something like that. And I actually think you do like a little. Yeah. Or maybe there is some magic inside you after all, Aurora. Like <laughs> maybe there's some magic inside you after all, Aurora. There's some like they tease yeah. that little post-wedding final scene hmm. well, moment, something like that. It might be a bit too on the nose, but it feels very Disney to I me to do that. I feel like little... you could not necessarily want to. 
But I feel like you could do a Maleficent three off the back of this about a daughter who yeah. is the pure, literally a fucking um, maybe that's child of Little Mermaid two. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like your half fish kind mm, of thing. Yeah, but the upper half is fish, and Disney doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> Put some fucking trousers on, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, so I think that might be the story I'd go with in a mm. third one. Maybe allude to it, but I probably wouldn't because it's like... Yeah, I said, I think it's a mm. bit on the nose. But yeah, I think, but it's not a bad thing. I think, yeah. Again, yeah. I think call it best of both worlds and end it with El Fanning getting kidnapped by the Borg and then opening fire on the Enterprise. Tim has sold it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Either that, or we just Damn have it. Kevin Smith direct it. I think he'll handle it really well. What could, what could possibly go wrong with Kevin Smith? Yikes. You imagine, like, my director, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Which one of us is going to use Kevin Smith as our director Re- in a sequel? Recasting Aurora as Hayley Quinn Smith. <laughs> Harley oh Quinn Smith. God. Harley Quinn Smith, sorry. I mean, it's so way more on the nose than that, Tim. We will probably cover at some point either... Jay and Silent Bob 2 or alternatively uh, Clerks 2 so yeah or Reboot yeah that's what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so at some point we'll definitely cover that I'd probably have to cast yeah 93% on audience score Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> Jay and Silent Bob Reboot that's, if you, that's as nonsense as fucking Mistress of Evil that's the uh, other one that's as bad yeah I looked it up I was like which one did we talk about it was Reboot we talked about it on our live stream when we had Rich from uh, Unequal Sequel we on. did we did we broke down all of Kevin Smith's movies I can't imagine Kevin Smith showing up on sequelizers as a director we've chosen for a pitch. Uh, unless Maybe it's his own film. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Do a Jane Silent Bob 2 gonna, without picking yeah. Kevin We're not Smith gonna bring him in to do like yeah, a diehard or something. Seems like a weird choice. Yeah. But yeah. Um worked it, out really well on cop out, didn't it? Yeah. Exactly. Well, speaking of our live streams, if you want to go and check those out and check out the archive of every single episode we've ever done, all 150 something episodes. You can go to sequelizers.com. You can find links to the Discord if you want to come and chat with us. If you have any you know, suggestions, ideas about this episode, we're in the Discord, the three of us. So if you have any questions about, oh, Matt, why, why did you do that in that pitch? Or how Fuck do we you, fix that's this? why. Exactly. That's pretty much a response from Matt, usually. Almost always. I'm, li- I'm like, oh, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. And that's like, fuck you. That's why. Yes. <laughs> that's that's the, our dynamic, pretty much. Yeah. But like, Tim, you're somewhere in the middle. You're a, kind of like a... I like to so, remain inscrutable. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Horny Tim is just a presence on the Discord. Sometimes there, sometimes not. Hmm. Um, but yeah, if you want to come and join our fantastic community of listeners on Discord, you want to come and support us on Patreon, you can come and view all of our live streams. We've done a lot of director breakdowns. Some of the films we've touched on... During this episode, like I mentioned, we've done Kevin Smith, we've done Spielberg, we've done loads of different people. They're a lot of fun. You can check them out on our YouTube channel, and the links are all on the website. If you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on all the social medias. Matthew, if people want to learn more about you, read your reviews of films and stuff, how can they do that? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on the social media. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com to see the things that I make. Tim, if I wanted to research all your weaknesses so I could betray you, where would you where would I need to go? <laughs> I display all my weaknesses on Twitter uh, under trivia underscore lad. Uh, that is my moniker there. That's the best place to follow me for anything I'm up to or just the nonsense that I'm posting about at the moment. Fair. Fair. So yeah, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with something completely different. I know I say this every week. It is very different next week. We're not doing a Disney film. Don't worry. We've we've had our fill of live action Disney for a little bit. Yeah. Thank God. And uh, yeah, we're coming up towards the end of the season. So get hyped for the much anticipated 
arguably the most requested sequel ever season finale that we're coming up to at the end of this season. Yeah. Then we'll have the end season and then we'll be on to season 10 before you know it. God damn, that's crazy. I still can't. I've said that a couple of times now on the show. I've like, well, I wake up at like three o'clock in the morning, like season 10 of Sequelizers is coming. <laughs> season 10. It's too early. It's too, oh God, I'm so old. It's bizarre. Radagast or something. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty much. <laughs> but thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week. And until then, goodbye. Don't ruin my podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs>